Uh, why did you join the Navy? You know, growing up, I just, I always thought of like the SEAL teams as the, like the, the toughest, baddest people. Um, I was just, a, I was a dirt bag in high school too. Like, I, you know, I just did everything to make my friends laugh and for attention. I never applied myself. So college really wasn't, I, mean, I probably could have gone to college. My parents were willing to pay for, you know, my, my brother, my sister, everyone to go through college. And my dad was like, yeah, we're not, we're not going to pay for you to go be an absolute idiot. And so like my junior year, it's kind of like, hey, this is this is what we're going to do. I'm going to enlist as soon as I graduate and ended up um, graduating early and then going straight in. Hey, is that to um, kind of punish them? Okay, you won't pay for my college? Fuck you, I'll go in the Navy. Uh, I, I thought of it as that, like, oh, yeah. Well, you know, I said I was going to do this, so now I'm going to do it. And it couldn't have been a better thing for me. And And from there, my relationship with my parents just skyrocket. They're, they're two of my best friends now. They dated in high school, still together. And once they were no longer financially responsible for me, as I told you in the, in the, in the story beforehand, I wasn't very good with it. Our relationship was just great from there. I've never heard that. I mean, it makes it, it, it's glaringly obvious, but I've never heard that, that the relationship transitioned at a point when you became financially independent from them or that you didn't have a financial relationship with them. What, what, do you, what are the implications of that? Why, why did you choose that to describe... Uh, kind of the demarcation of when thing got be- things got better. I think it was, you know, they were no longer responsible. Like I was responsible for a hundred percent of what I did. And like I said, I would, I would do silly things. You know, I stole a six by four foot McDonald's sign from the McDonald's in our small hometown. And it's like I the like police it. came over to the house and got it from underneath my bed. I had like three golden arches sticking out from underneath of my futon as if like people weren't going to, it was a small town. I was just, you know, I would do it for the stories. And, uh, so once, you know, the police weren't showing up at their house to grab the McDonald's sign, then it was like, okay, you know, we can just, uh, enjoy my company a little bit more than being responsible for it. Um, so you, did you do a lot of crazy shit? Like you were the guy who streaked like at the, uh, football game or at the, like, there'd be like some sort of like PTA meeting and you and your buddies would streak it, shit like that. A hundred percent. Whatever, whatever made him laugh, whatever had stories. I mean, it was, I was the class clown and not really understanding. You remember my dad would always be like, do you know the difference between right or wrong? And I'd be like, I think so. But that kind of seemed right at the time. Now it seems wrong. But at the time, you know, it was a great story. Yesterday, my kids were on the skate ramp and they were on the skate ramp with um, those three wheel scooters that like little kids ride. Mm -hmm. Have you seen those? You can like lean and shit. Two in the front, one in the back. Yeah, yeah, my my micro micro scooters. They're 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 really cool. And actually, they have an adult one. And if you ever get a chance to ride it, ride it because you'll be blown away. They look like they're super easy to ride. They are not. You have to be so comfortable with uh, momentum and leaning. It's weird. But anyway, yesterday my kid had one of those on the skate ramp, and he's launching it up over the skate ramp, out of the over the railing, into some um, my passion fruit grapevine. <laughs> and he does it the first time. And I'm like, hey, please don't do that. And he does it uh, two more times. And I'm like, hey, dude, what are you doing? You're damaging the plant and I paid for that scooter. And he goes, yeah, it's just, it's hard to control. And I go, I've seen you ride that for five years. I've never seen it. You launch it out of the skate ramp, but today it's hard to control. And then he pivoted to another story. I couldn't, like he said something else. Well, he goes, it doesn't matter. We don't ride the scooter. I go, it does matter. That thing costs me money and you're hurting the plants. Basically, he started pivoting stories. Do you know that effect when people do that? Like, they, like they don't, they don't care what the truth is. They're trying to get out of like 
the situation. Yes. And I started having these flashbacks of what it felt like to be a young boy. And finally, I pull, I, I'm like, okay, stop everything. Come in the garage. And I go, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you doing that? He's seven. He goes, I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. Just a subconscious. And that's what I felt like when your dad said, do you know the difference between right or wrong? That's the kind of shit like, I don't understand the question. I don't know. I don't even like, what do you mean? Like you said, that seemed right at the time. What, what do you mean? Everything I do is right. It's so weird being a, a young man a, or a boy. People, you can't, unless you were that, I don't know if it's like that for girls, you can't understand. Like, did you think before you threw the rock out onto the freeway? Yeah, I fucking bore my arm up. Like, what are you talking about? Like <laughs> that is that's not even like I could tell that story not as like a euphemism. Like I literally threw rocks on the highway. And yeah, again, another thing where like the police came and like Someone my dad was like died. Yeah, my dad was like, Are were you think it was like no, I just wanted it to make a really loud noise. And it just kind of yeah. seemed like <laughs> no, I warmed my arm up beforehand. Like, yeah. This is why um, a boys can't be left alone under their own, I don't know if this is the right word, recognizance, their own. This is why it's so important um, to keep, uh, to, to, first of all, you, first of all, there's, there's two things here, and feel free to jump in, Connor. One, you're, if you don't help your kid build an identity, if you don't put your kid in a good situation to build an identity, he'll create one of his own. He'll feel around in the dark and create it. And what do I mean by that? Put him in a jiu-jitsu class. Put him in a CrossFit Kids class. Get him. Uh, put him in a Kumon class. Give him something that he can start getting good at so he can start building an identity. Let him know that his family's from Ireland. Let him know, like, give him some deep, give him details every day and set him up so he can start building a person who he is. If you don't, he's going to build his own fucking person. Which is terrifying. Them, yeah, yeah. And, and and don't encourage stupid things either. And it, it, Yeah, that and the security and numbers thing too. I don't think I ever got in trouble if it was just me. It was always, it was always the influence. And not even that other people had an influence over me. It was that I wanted to have an influence over them. So I wanted to do these things to make people laugh and to get that reaction out of people. And it, and it started off, you know, I was the youngest of three. And... I would, you know, my, I remember a story, uh, growing up, I don't know where this is going to go, but, uh, growing up, uh, my parents told me there was, I kept getting out of my crib and I would like open the door and I would get yelled at. And then, you know, I would get spanked and then I would get put back in my crib. And so when my parents sat by the door, they would listen to my brother go, Hey, do it again, do it again. And so after that, when I was, you know, I, they put me back in my crib and said, if you get out one more time, Pat's going to get spanked. And then he was oh, like, oh, like no, this, no, 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 no. The story no. took a wicked twist. Wow. And so, and it was like the influence that like, I would just do it because it was making my brother laugh. It was making my sister laugh. It was, it was these things. Yeah. And then when they came back in, it was it's one of my favorite stories they tell. And then my brother was like, I'm like starting to get out of the crib again. He's like, no, 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 no. It's bedtime now. Bedtime. <laughs> He's older. Yeah. Hey, you were the, you were an overachiever that no one. Um, I, I guess I was kind of like this too. We we're overachievers that we didn't get. Um, our talents weren't directed properly. Like if you were going to throw a rock at a stop sign, I was going to one up you and throw it at a moving car, <laughs> with with no with no concern of the side effects. Yeah, that's spot on. Have you seen so so you entered the navy and did you did you last in there 4 years cuz I saw a post where you said oh that didn't go as planned. Um well the goal in and was to continue in the special operations world. I I suffered an injury relatively early on 
And after having a surgery, it was like coming back from that, uh, everything was supposed to be cleared. And if you, if you don't have a jump dive physical, you can't continue in the job field that I was going in, which was, you know, an odd turn for me as we talk about like the influence. It was like, I finally had something I was grasping. I was obsessed with. It was something that, you know, that's when yeah. I started getting into CrossFit because I needed, I wanted extra training to be the best person I could be for that job. And I had a buddy who said, Hey, here's this website in 2007, crossfit.com. And I would just, who was that? What was your buddy's name? His name is Billy Burnett, William Burnett. He was a, he was an ex. That's a great name. He was an ex uh, army ranger. He was a combat veteran, but he was going through the other service veteran programs to go through the same program I was in. And he was the guy who got me into jujitsu. He was a purple belt at the time. Now he's a, a police officer in, I want to say Knoxville, Tennessee. He's a black belt in jujitsu. We still stay in touch to this day. Oh yeah. Yeah. I saw a picture with you and him together. Uh, then that might've been Ruben. That might be the guy who I train with now. Oh, okay. The shorter guy who's like, shorter yeah, there's, he's a black belt and he's like, there's days I don't even know what I'm doing. Yeah. That he, humble dude. Yeah. 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 So he trains with John Danaher and, uh, Gordon oh, Ryan. Shit. Yeah. Holy shit. Wow. Did you watch the ADCC? I didn't subscribe to it because I refused to pay for a year. I just, I, I even though I would actually pay for You're the it. the fifth each person one, who's told me that. It's just ridiculous. It's like pay $120. It's like, give me another option. Let me do the $20 a month and let it ride on my card. I would let that happen. But for some reason, it's just that, you know, I'm like, oh, I just want to watch this one fight. And then I see myself trying to watch like every flow grappling. And I'm like, does anyone have a password or anything for this? But no, I didn't watch it. But I just saw the highlights of him absolutely dominating up. He is just better than everyone else by a lance. He is Matt Frazier at his peak versus you know, the second half of the field is just, no one can touch him. Yeah. It was special. I I saw the, I saw uh, Nikki rod on your podcast, which I thought was really cool. Um, and listening to him, that's a a great story as well. Did you see, I interviewed his brother a few twice now. Um, J J rod. I had, I saw, I want to say, I actually saw the second one. Yeah, the second one, the last half hour, that's a crazy interview because over that hour, he changes so much. Not changes, he opens up so much. Mm-hmm. It sucked. I only put like uh, allocated 30 minutes for that interview and I and I screwed it all up because the last half hour, he really comes out of his shell. That's awesome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go back and, and rewatch that because I love their story. I mean, the, I just super talented family, but also now driven towards jujitsu from that, from the, you know, wrestling background. But, Good mom and dad, still married. Yeah. Our parents support us in whatever we do. Oh, yeah, they love each other. It's like, yeah, duh. Um, uh, when J-Rod... Well, oh, yeah, here he is. When, when J-Rod was on, one of the cool things was is that um, he just volunteered at one point towards an interview. He goes, I'm not on steroids. Every, I don't, I've never drank in my life. I don't smoke weed, and I've never done steroids. Everyone thinks you know, I'm just like a fucking homebody. And I just loved it. It was like such a cool, um, not that, I mean, everyone has to take their own path. I'm not judging people who do drink and smoke weed and do steroids, but it was just cool that he, you know, he, he was like, fuck you. Like, don't, don't put me in a box. You know, it's in kind of an interesting transition to what I've been doing a lot lately is in the music industry, especially in the electronic music world, you know, people will go yes. to these shows, people will go to festivals, they'll go to concerts and it is, you know, drinking alcohol or, you know, drugs there's this mdma please this kind of yeah there's this uh there's this background to hey here's here's what everyone is doing 
Yet a lot of the artists, a lot of the people that I work with don't drink. Some of them never have, some of them straight edge, some of them, you know, focus on their training. And it's so, it's so interesting to see, you know, this dynamic and what we're, what we're trying to do is get it out there that it, they don't need to live mutually exclusive. It doesn't have to be, you are either a partier or uh, yeah. So this is, um, on tour with, uh, Dylan Francis and young gravy was the, uh, co-headlining artist and Dylan is that them right there. Is that young gravy? That's young gravy all the way on the left. Yeah. Yeah. He's cool. That, that video that I obviously don't have the fucking link cause I, my notes went to shit, but that video you, where you're swinging a two poot and he's swinging the kettlebell is fucking hilarious. He's doing his curls. Yeah. He's uh, it's kind of a curl. It's a curl kettlebell swing hybrid. <laughs> it was like, kinda... it was like the post workout where, you know, it's, you know, he's still in like this, like, all right, well, we got to chase this pump. And I'm like, I, I assure you what you did earlier with the kettlebell is going to be a lot more beneficial than what you're doing now. But you know what? You're moving. We're good to go. Is he cool? Um, do you ask him before? Hey, can, uh, am I, I'm going to put, can I put this on my Instagram? Um, I, I didn't ask him. No. I mean, we, no. we did, you know, we had spent two months together. And yeah. so anything that, you know, he doesn't care any of the publicity he's, you know, people will look at that too. And they're like, Oh, this guy kind of plays a lot of his songs and what he's known for is like, Oh, he likes milfs. Oh, he, you know, he, he kind of like puts himself in this category and people have no idea how smart and how, how good he is at marketing, figuring out, Hey, this is my niche. This is where, this is what I'm going to live with. And, um, just plays to it so well. Yeah. He's awesome. He's like six, seven from, you know, a rapper from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Young gravy. So, and, and that's his thing. He's a rapper. Yes. Okay. I wonder, does he answer his DMs? I want to DM him. He may. I need to have more rappers on. Hey, uh, uh, before we talk about how you got into working, oh, there he is, Young Gravy. Hey, um, so what was the injury and how did you finally get out of the Navy? Um, I had just had, I had had surgery on my elbows. Um, I threw the baseball really, really hard as a kid. I just, I would throw until I could no longer lift my arm. And they didn't have these rules where you could only throw so many pitches or so many days of the week. So being competitive and my team wanting to win when I was young, I would pitch pretty much every game. So that led to osteochondritis that led to my elbows getting scoped. And then that led to having issues diving. So essentially, you know, coming up without safety stops would be a, a, a significant issue. What the dive officers explained is that the oxygen builds up like carbonation, almost like in my elbow to, and, and you know, it would swell and I wouldn't be able to, you know, to operate in that. So it was almost like a, Hey, we have to avoid this because of the worst case scenario, because I had had those surgeries. And then it was kind of a dance around where I'm trying to get cleared by, I'm trying to get civilian opinions from doctors to go outside the Navy because the dive officers that weren't going to clear me. And then, then it just kind of got into this battle where I was trying to go like above and beyond. So at the end, because I had gotten through my training, they were like, Hey, you can just, we we'll just medically retire you. And they were like, you can spend the rest of your enlistment on a ship if you want, or, you know, or this is the route you can go. And so I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do anything else, which then, you know, reverted me back to, you know, not having the, the drive or, or purpose. 
until um, doing the CrossFit Level One uh, seminar. You, and, and, how, and how soon um, after you left the Army, or sorry, the Navy, did you take your L1? It was as I was getting out. So it's not just like a, hey, you're going to get out. I mean, it was like a, a year-long process of medical appointments and, and you know, dancing around. And so during that time, I, was, I didn't know what I was going to do when I got out. And there, I knew some awesome guys that ran uh, CrossFit PB, which then moved to San Diego Athletics and Anders Varner and Brian Borstein, who are, are, are still around in, in you know, the different spaces. I don't think they're, they own affiliates anymore. I think they sold their affiliate and now they're just kind of on their, on their own. But I mean, super dedicated guys. I would go in there and throw down and workouts with them. So when I did my level one, are you back at home at this time, Connor right now? No. When, when, when you're telling the story, you you move back to your house with your parents. No, no, I never did. No. Oh, oh okay. So I was, I was still living in San Diego and okay. so I was down in CrossFit Pacific beach in San Diego. I'm originally from Washington state. Okay. And then you, and so you're there and you're like, Hey, I'm going to take my L1 or someone talks you into taking your L1 or you pay for your, they pay for your L1 or what happens? No. So I was, you know, I just like sold my car because I, I, you know, was kind of just getting rid of all the stuff I didn't need, realizing I wasn't going to have a steady paycheck again. Yeah, and, smart. and I was like, Hey, like thousand dollars, I'm just going to put it towards, I don't think I'd ever spent like a thousand dollars on something, obviously with the exception of, you know, purchasing a vehicle with a pre-approved, you know, VA loan and all of that. So it was like a, a relatively large expense for me. And I remember studying for it and, and, and I never studied for anything in high, anything, any of the tests in high school. I just, I didn't care. I couldn't, wasn't, right. if I couldn't see where it was going to take me, it was very difficult for me to apply myself to something. Mm. And I remember it was when we used to have to like take the test and then you sat and waited and then you scored your test. And then you either opened up a manila folder that said, congratulations, you're across at level one trainer, or thanks for coming and getting your, you know, certificate of attendance. And I remember opening that up and it was, you know, I was <clears throat> not to be like, you know, dark in this, or we don't have to go down that area, but I was fucking lost. And it was like everything that I had worked for being this, like, you know, I wouldn't say troubled youth, but this person who's always getting in trouble finally found something to fully apply myself. And then once that was taken away, I felt fucking lost. I was like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Even the thought of moving back, I was like, what am I going to do? And what I'm, year is this? This is 2010, 2011, yeah. maybe. And because I enlisted in 2007. And I remember seeing that the, like the level one trainer. And I was like, fuck, I'm going to, I'm going to take this as far as I can. This is all like, I love it. I love that the course of the weekend, the trainers, the other people that were in there, it was, it was something where I finally felt, Hey, here's a similar camaraderie with the affiliates with something that I'm good at and something that is coaching an infinite, infinitely refinable skill where I can apply myself a hundred percent and there's no like, Hey, you did it. You're complete. It's like, you can still continue to process as a, as a coach, as an athlete. Cause I was still interested in competing. And, um, I also had a chip on my shoulder. I wanted to make it to the CrossFit games to be like, Hey, you guys said my elbows were fucked, but you know, Oh, that's cool. And granted it was separate, you know, and there's no deep sea diving yeah, I, in the CrossFit games, but I, there was still, you know, chip on my yeah, shoulder. I like it. I like it, chip. Um, 
Connor, in your Instagram, I noticed you had a brother and he passed away. Um, so Ty was, um, he was, we were born and raised together. He was my best friend growing up. He was my soulmate. He was, um, he was a combat controller in the air force. So special, special tactics in the air force. And he was, so not, not the same womb as you, nope. but, but, but very close. Okay. Yeah, I mean like his, uh, when his dad passed away, you know, he would, they, they would like, my dad was, I mean, we were just like close to family. In fact, I, I still think that my family liked him better than me. He didn't get in quite as much trouble and was a better athlete. <clears throat> so it was like, I would be the they one did. getting in they trouble. Did. I'll, I'll, I'll confirm that for you. <laughs> uh, yes. 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 Mr. Murphy, you did. Uh, yes. Yes, they did. And just uh, a little bit though. Yeah. Just, just a, a tiny bit, bit but enough, enough. Enough. Yes. And, um, yeah, August 20th, 2012, he was, um, riding his motorcycle back home. It was about a quarter mile oh, from the house God. I grew up in. And what I think had happened, because I went back to the wreck site after he had passed away and there's like a trail that kind of came through and it was, you know, it's like a green belt. There's <clears throat> some good amount of, of wildlife there. Um, when I was driving through, a deer came right into the middle of the road. And so he wasn't, I mean, he wasn't drinking. They wouldn't have any like, you know, his blood alcohol was zero. And, you know, he, he was incredible on that thing. He's one of those guys that could hold on. <clears throat> one of those guys that could just do everything and do everything really, really well. Mm. And just went off the side of the road and hit a boulder. And, uh, yeah. So that uh, was, it's interesting. So, so what made me ask that question right there was cause you said you were, it was, it was a bit of a dark period when you took your L one, but that, but really the dark period was still to come. Oh yeah. That was, mm, <clears throat> different kinds of dark period. Right. Right. When I don't know what I'm doing after that, that was a, I mean, I've, I've never lost any, and I've lost guys that were in the Navy guys that I served with, but I'd, I'd never had anything as devastating as losing him. Even yeah. like my, my grandparents and you know, it was, he was just the closest person I've ever, you know, known or talked to. It's interesting. So you went back to the scene of the crime and when you were there, a deer ran in front of you and you're like, yep, a deer must've run in front of him and, and he swerved and that was it. Yep. Did he die on, on the site right there, then and there? Yep. Do you, do you know what kind of motorcycle he was riding? He had a CBR. I had a Ninja oh, and he had a shit. CBR. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> wow. Oh, what, what, do you remember what color it was? It was, it, it was like the gold trim. It was a 2008 it was a new bike, but it had like the gold and black trim on it. Yeah. I still remember because we had like pictures and we would ride our bikes together. I was, again, a moron on my motorcycle down in San Diego. I would do, I'd pull up next to a car full of girls and do wheelies on the highway and just like an idiot. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You have a daughter now? I do. You don't have a son? I do not have a son. My daughter's name is Ty, named after Ty. Oh, wow. I, I, I'm a... Uh... Oh man, speaking of Ty, that was one of the things in the ADCC, Ty Rotola. Wow. Oh my goodness. Do you know about the Rotola brothers? No. Oh, you got to look these guys up. This kid. One of the brothers won all uh, won his weight class and beat everyone uh in in submission undefeated. And Rotola, the other brother, um almost won the absolutes. I think I mean, it went to the judges and and they said he lost, but I don't think he lost. I thought it was obvious he won, but what do I know? Are you still are you still doing jujitsu? Yep. Yeah, cool. Not, oh, yeah, these guys. Man. It was 
it, it, it's a shame they didn't make it like forty nine ninety nine for all two days or something. That yeah, you had to pay. Yeah, that's a shame. <clears throat> I just think it. I mean, the barrier to entry. I mean, regardless, you could, you know, you could talk someone into the argument of it being like, oh, over time it's going to be cheaper. But when some people just want to walk, like you just got to get people in the door. And then yeah. once they're in the door, then you can, you know, go That must there. have been a hard decision. I, I, I was thinking about that, what it was like over in flow in those meetings, because there were for sure two camps. I have to guess that there was one camp of guys who were like, hey, let's make this free. There was another camp that's like, let's make it forty nine ninety nine, And there's guys like, nope, full membership or nothing. And Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the right decision. I don't know. I mean, financially, they might just be like laughing, being like, we're crushing we it. This it. was the best. Yeah. So. But I think the long term, your decision makes a sense. If you're with, like, you want to get as many people in the door. Right. right? I, I think it's, I mean, it's similar to a CrossFit affiliate is, you know, but I, I guess similar and different. You want people in. That's why people do like the first class free or that's why people... You know, you know, even with training people in the music industry that are afraid of CrossFit, you know, I give them this like, like super tailored version of, you know, like a 10 minute version of Cindy of doing some body weight stuff. But instead of pull-ups, they're doing hand cleans because they don't want to look like they can't do one of the movements. And once you get them and you, you get them in the door and you start seeing, um, you know, the results from that, then, then we, you know, mechanics, consistency, intensity, then you can start to dose them up. But I think with just getting people training. I've done, I've done more probably free private training sessions for people who can afford it. Can C A N like, you know, some of these guys are, are millionaires, but if I was like, Hey, here's this private session, I'm going to charge you this. Sometimes they don't want to do it, but just sometimes getting them in the door and, you know, being then a trusted source of someone who can, who can appropriately dose this thing called CrossFit that so many people misunderstand then that's when, you know, everything else starts to come. That's when the revenue started coming for me. That's when people started reaching out to me, but be not because I was, I was selling this best product. It's because I was able to deliver it really well he, you know, for one person and then across, which kind of doesn't make sense to what I was talking about with flow wrestling and why they charge. No, no, it but. does. I was, I was it making sense <clears throat> to me. I was thinking also about, uh, um, uh, you, you know, there was a, a time when Snoop Dogg couldn't rub two nickels together and was looking for fucking weed under the couch. And now probably people send him pounds of weed for free in the mail. Yeah. But, but, but he could afford all the weed he wants. Exactly. And he, you know, he I probably has, like that. you know, his, I think he has like a, a weed company, right? Probably, where he yes, sells, where, sure. where he has someone else running it to where now he's actually getting paid to smoke weed. I think now the time that he can afford it most, yeah, he has, yeah. he has it in, you know, in spades infinite um and uh so so you take your l1 do you remember who your um, seminar staff were oh yeah and well now i get to work with them so now that yeah. um you're still on the seminar team yep god dude you you are doing so many things i didn't realize what an entrepreneur you were i started just i mean it becomes very obvious once i i started scratching your uh instagram you have you're so ambitious how old are you 33 yeah, that's a great age. Um, so, so who were your who were the seminar staff when you? So I remember because I liked competing. I remember almost like in order of like who was you know the the best athlete at the time. I remember seeing Chris Spieler when I walked in there, and I was like, "Holy shit! I've seen this guy do a hundred unbroken pull ups." Granted, it was I like made that video Thank two you. weeks before the CrossFit Games. It's probably the dumbest thing he's done. But 
you know what, those were, that was when like, we didn't really know, right? We didn't really know what, what we should be doing to prepare for that. Because he tore his hands, right? I mean, they were destroyed, right? Yeah. And I can only imagine, I mean, granted he weighs, you know, 45 pounds, but I'm I'm sure that wasn't, you know, optimal for his training leading up to the games. Right. Um, Eric Preston was the flow. Josh Everett was there. Nadia was there. And then uh, Zach Forrest. Um, Spieler doesn't work for CrossFit anymore, but I think um, all those other people might too, which is interesting. They right? still, yep. They're Maybe still not Josh team. Everett either. I think Josh is still on the on the training team. Wow, crazy. Yeah, because when we did the last summit, he was in, again, another guy. I went to see, I went and watched every second counts. It aired in Pasadena, and I went with my parents because I got my parents into CrossFit. They have a full garage gym. They've been doing it for 10 plus years now. Absolutely obsessed. But I remember seeing Josh Everett and I remember seeing him like, like in this like button down shirt. And I was like, oh, I didn't even go up to him because I was like, oh man, this is Josh Everett. This is the guy who, you know, who came in second place. He's going to be the, you know, the front runner to win the games in 2009. Did he was 2008. He finished second, right? I, um, somewhere on the podium. Yeah. Behind it was Jason, Josh Everett and uh, Jeremy Teal. Yeah. And yeah, I remember watching that documentary and was just obsessed with it. I've rented it probably 30 times in my life, just over like different periods or try to find it in different areas and then, you know, rewatch it. And, you know, cause I, I took a liking to John Wellborn because of the CrossFit football, I thought was such an incredible program, which is now, you know, Johnny Wad or, or whatever it is, but it's not power athlete. That's gone too. They've no, changed again. No, I think power athlete is that's kind of, that's the, the branding. You're right. Okay. Okay. But before when it was CrossFit football, I utilize that to train athletes still to this day with the hockey players that I'm training with the lacrosse guys. I mean, I utilize the same, you know, thought process on that to train for sports. I don't even know what that, what they do. I trained this girl who needed to pass like a fitness test for, um, Northeastern who's playing field hockey I don't know what a fucking field hockey stick looks like. And I told her dad that. And when he, he called me specifically, don't know how he got my number. And he's like, I need you to train my daughter. And I was like, uh, I don't really take on private clients. I don't really have the time. And he's like, nope, we're going to make this happen. And Damn. so Damn. we train GPP. She got a, a, she's as a true freshman, a starting spot on uh, defense. And her coach was like, I don't know what you did. And it's not, it's not me. I'm not, I didn't make up any of this stuff. I just stole it and borrowed it and still use everything from the level one, level two manual. And we worked her weaknesses and then she became a better athlete. It's funny how you hear, keep hearing that story over and over. The the one that pops up right away is that, you know, uh, Dave was a buds instructor and hit the fittest guy in the class was Josh Bridges. And what did he use to prepare for buds? GPP. Main site. Yep. Psych. <laughs> It's, it's, it's so awesome. Um, you take your, you take your level one, you, you, you love it. You end up loving it. Obsessed. You're blown away. Absolutely obsessed. I loved doing CrossFit because I think initially I wasn't particularly good at one thing. So CrossFit was really good. I can kind of go across the board. Like I learned the butterfly kip really fast and other people were like, Oh my gosh, that guy can do butterfly kipping pull-ups. Yeah. And so competing was good because I was like, I fell in love with that side of it first. And then after the level one, you know, re- thinking that I was this like excellent mover and then, you know, just get, 
you know, your teeth kicked in by everyone who's like, no, this is like, here's your faults. Here's your faults. Getting brought into the center of the circle for some reason, thinking they're going to be like, Hey, see this guy's movement. It's perfect. I remember on the overhead squat, they brought me in there and it was just like knee initiated overextending the spine on the way down. Knees are collapsing in all of it. And I'm like, Oh my God, I thought I was good at this. And then once I realized there was so much more to it, not just on the athlete side, but the coaching side as well, it was just, I was all in. And Zach, Zach Forrest is an incredible mover. Awesome. Like, like freaky. Uh, So, so then you do that. Um, and, and and then, and then what happens? Do you right away also think, oh shit, I want to be one of these red shirts. Yeah. And I'll even tell this right then and there. Hmm. I told this story at a seminar the other, uh, maybe it was a while ago, but Denise at the end. When you say the other day, by the way, that, that counts for any time in your life. I use that all the time. Like, the <laughs> other day, my wife, like that's three years ago. I said, yeah, that's what I said. The other day. Yeah. The other day. Not today, just, but another today. one of the days. The other day. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a great, I like the other day. Um, Denise at the end of the seminar, Denise Thomas. Um, we also have, we have an offsite. She's worked her way into legendary <clears throat> status too, by the way. I've gotten right. a chance to, I mean, I worked with her yeah. every day coaching at the Reebok headquarters and then also on seminar staff. Um, it's just, I mean, I get to see her and a, and a bunch of the group tomorrow. We have like a little, uh, like Northeast trainer summit. Where we're all cool. just going to go and, you know, just work together, talk with just unbelievable minds. Is that something CrossFit's putting together? Like Nicole's putting that together? Yeah, that's oh, so that's awesome. Um, but at the end of the seminar, she's like, Hey, you know, we have a minute. I want like, you know, one of the red shirt or each one of the red shirts to, to tell you in detail or just to give you a story about what CrossFit can do. And beforehand, in front like, of the class. So this is in front of a seminar. This is at the end of the seminar, closing remarks. And uh, you didn't know this was going to happen. She just sprung this on you guys. Yep. And there were, Oh, this is dope. I want to say it was a, a three person seminar. And well, because if you've got a red shirt, like you can, you can go on the fly. Someone could say, Hey, you have one minute and tell someone something important. And there's so many things that were racing through my head. And, you know, you can always talk. I never thought I'd be a celebrity trainer. I never thought I would, you know, be sponsored by these big brands, but that wasn't it. The story that jumped to my mind is I actually asked Zach and Chris at my level one after it. I was like, Hey, what do I have to do to get one of those red shirts? And at Mm. the time, you know, you would think those guys would be like, Hey, why don't you just worry about passing this fucking test first? Like you, you you dweeb. And, and they were both unbelievably open and welcoming. It was like, Hey, you got to be a part of the community, continue to coach, continue to train, volunteer, be a part of, of everything that you can and continue to work. And it's like, and it's, it is achievable. I was like, Holy shit. I, you know, especially after, you know, me being this like cocky, Oh, I'm a, I'm a good athlete. And you know, them just picking me apart to not, to not be like, Hey, just, you know, work on and not to, they, they weren't dismissive. It was a very, yeah. very genuine response. They gave you some hope and belief. And so that's what I said to the, the team. I'm like, wherever you want to take this thing, whether you want to open your own gym, whether you want to compete whether you want to, you know, get a red shirt, like wherever, if you want to, like you can, and, and this is what we're here to do. We're here to support you. And you'll hear it from every red shirt trainer. They'll say, Hey, if you need to get a hold of me, reach out to me and I will get back to you. It may not be the same day, but I'll always get back to you to help you out. 
And I've created some of the greatest relationships that I have from people that went through this seminar that actually reached out to me. That's awesome. Ruben, how long, how long until you became a red shirt? Um, so this is in 2015, I believe when it actually happened. And the story was actually pretty cool because they weren't hiring. So, so five years, five years of training, competing, yeah. volunteering, trying to be as much of a part of the community as possible. And when I came up, I got sponsored by Reebok and then I came up to Reebok to coach pretty much because I was the opposite at the time. I was like the opposite coach as Austin Maliolo, who was like, we called him the sponge, the fun sponge. You know, he was just, just so regimented and, and how he did everything. I mean, unbelievably organized, incredible mentor to me, really good friend. Now I think we've gotten him out of his shell a little bit, but I was like the party guy down in St. Thomas. I just always like the classes. Maybe I wasn't the most, um, you know, I wasn't critiquing and picking apart people's, people's mechanics as much as, as he was, but it was just more of like the fun, the vibes. And then he could teach me all the other stuff. So I told him my goal was to get on, on seminar staff and 2015, the Reebok. You went to go work at the Reebok gym in Boston before you were even on the seminar staff. Mm -hmm. Wow. Did someone, did they, and someone handpicked you for that? They knew of you? Yeah. So when I got, because I was competing, I, I moved down to St. Thomas when I got out of the Navy. I just kind of wanted to get away. I was coaching at a gym in San Diego, but I had some friends that lived in the Virgin Islands. And I was like, hey, I'm going to go just down here. I sold all my stuff. You know, I, I told you I sold my car. I sold my motorcycle. Yeah. I got rid of everything. Moved down there with my sea bag, um, my firearm, and like a backpack. You can move down there with your firearm? Yeah. That's awesome. I did. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, you go through the, the right steps with that, which I've always, you know, I've always done because you, know, you don't want to get in trouble for any of that. No, especially you don't. In any of those You're a big areas. boy now. You can't get in trouble for that. And my parents can't bail me out now. And so here you are trying to live your, a, a new life over there, have fun, and uh, the, the reality snaps you back and said, hey, dude, you're a good trainer. We need you back at Reebok. Bam, you're back. No, what happened was in, when I moved down there, I drank rum for three straight days and realized, like, I feel like shit. I need to do a little workout. So I went down to the beach, and I did to like uh, just a Tabata uh, lunges, Tabata squats, and there was another girl who was like, oh, are you doing CrossFit? And I was like, oh, no one knows what CrossFit is. So- then she wanted to train. And then we kind of created this like little like beach workout session where people were, were paying me. I didn't have an affiliate, but people were paying me to um, do CrossFit. And someone comes up to me and they're like, oh, I've been doing CrossFit with this Navy SEAL guy at his house. And I was like, one, no one else knows what CrossFit is. Two, right. some guy is really, really tricking someone into thinking that he was just like Navy SEAL who moved to the Virgin Islands. So I was like, I want to meet this guy. You know, I had a chip on my shoulder from like my injuries suffered and you know who yes. I thought, like I thought the world owed me something. And I go into this bar and they're like, oh, that's the guy over there. And I look across the bar and I'm like, oh yeah, he, he, he probably, you can just tell. And so I go up and talk to him and he was like, oh. I can't he, wait to know who this is. Do I know who this is? Oh yeah. And so I, I go up to him and he's kind of like, oh yeah, you're doing this stuff. He's like, we're running the affiliate out of our house. Things are going well. And I'm like, oh, this is what I'm doing. And you know, he's kind of dismissive. He was like, who is your OIC at this and who is this? And then he was kind of much realized that like, like, sure, I was tough and could, and could make it through training, but I didn't do shit. 
and he's like uh, like 16 year, like eight years on DevGrew. And so he's like, hey, tomorrow we're unloading some equipment and then we're going to do a workout of the house if you want to show up. And I was like, okay. And I kind of walked out of there like that guy's a dick. And he kind of walked away like being like that guy's a chump. So next day we go head to head on some long hero workout, just doing whatever we can. So you go over other. there. So go you over, went over there. Oh, help. I showed up. Yeah. And he, uh, we finished like right at the same time and it was kind of like, all right, maybe we can, you know, join forces and do this together. So, uh, his name's Chris Irwin. He's the head of partnerships at Navy SEAL foundation was a president of Killcliff. had competed down in Latin oh. America. Uh, it ended up turns into him, his wife, their kids were just like my second family. I ended up moving in with them at their house. We started CrossFit St. Thomas and it was the, the community that we had down there was one of the most unbelievable things I've ever been a part of. It was so amazing. It was very, very special. Is it still together? Is that gym still there? So CrossFit St. Thomas, uh, there was a second affiliate that opened up and then they kind of worked back and forth. Um, when, when I left to, to go up to Reebok from there, we, we were still just one affiliate. And then some other people opened a gym and then it kind of all transferred to one. So a lot of the, the core members are still there, but now it, it is offsite at a different area owned by different people. Did you like St. Thomas at school? I loved St. Thomas. Yeah. Like I you like, would even consider moving back there? Yeah. I would, um, you know, I always talk with James Hobart about this. We're like, at some point in time, if we ever like come across and make a bunch of money, we're going to move down to St. Thomas and whether we own the gym or not, but at least just coach one or two classes a week and just be a part of a community down there. It is, it is something very, very special because there's a decent amount of people that are from there. And then there's a, a large amount of people that we call, you know, transplants or stateside locals that have moved down there to be a part of any job or tourism or want to be bartenders. And so it's like this land of misfit toys and everyone down there likes to party, but everyone obviously needs to understand that there's got it. You have to offset it. You can't be the person who only does one side of it. But it's great weather, shirt off, go to the beach, swim in the water, just fucking. Oh yeah. And as if when I talk about Chris Irwin, he hasn't done enough in his life. He also uh, plays the guitar and sings. So he, he went to do this, like it was like an open mic night, but he was like, Hey, if I just like play a few songs. So they're hosting him at this beach bar called Iggy's and He's like, oh, so we announced it to our gym. We have 150 members at that time. And it was full. We, it was, our gym was packed. And like 75 people show up to this. And, and so it's this wild party. You know, it's all of the, the crazy CrossFitters hanging out. People are drinking. Yeah. People are dancing. People are having the best time. Some people are doing burpees. Oh, yeah. It was all, all like the cheesy stuff too. People are yes. buddy squatting each other. And everyone is like, eh, you know. And then every bar in St. Thomas is like, we need to bring this Chris guy over because he just brings this, you know, this crowd of people because our community was so tight to support Chris. We would all go to these same places. So you were, we were known as like the CrossFit crazies. And there were some people that were like, I'll never do it. I'll never do it. And then they see, you know, then they see their buddy who takes their shirt off when they're having a boat trip and they're like, damn, he looks good. Or damn, she looks good. And maybe I need to start doing this. And then you know, you'll get a message being like, Hey, interested in the, you know, the elements on ramp for this. I was like, weren't you the person a couple of weeks ago who was like, I'll never do that. It's stupid. You know, you all the bad stuff about CrossFit, you're a crazy cult. You're like, come on in. We got room for you. While you were, um, uh, uh, 
messing around with um, Austin Maliolo, uh, I, I just want to show you. I, I was uh, on bike rides with Matt O'Toole, so <laughs> just, I just wanted to flex on you a little bit. I didn't get I didn't get many bike rides with Matt O'Toole. I do have a, a pretty interesting story on what not to do on company trips that involve that involves Matt O'Toole. Um, oh, I can't wait! By the way, for those who don't know, Matt O'Toole is the CEO of, of uh, Reebok, or he had yeah, president, president of president North of Reebok. Or something. Yeah, great guy, by the way. It's Fucking awesome, dude! Unbelievably, I every minute I spent with him. Unbelievably supportive of our gym. He was the reason why we had the gym was what it was. The support that we had, and how high he regarded Denise and Austin, which then trickled down to the rest of the coaching staff. Full support took time out of his day to make sure he was taking class. Even if he had to show up a little bit late, it's like, oh, what are you going to do to the president? Oh, you got to do burpees to start this fucking, no. We would, if we saw him like walk up the stairs of the locker room, we're like, all right, we'll get his bar and his area set. So when he comes down here, he can be warm and, and safely do it. He had like five or six kids too. He had a huge family, right? Mm -hmm. Huge. Uh, uh, so, so tell me your story about your interaction with him. Uh, what not to do. Well, this, this can be a lesson on how to fail quickly and to, to, to own your mistakes. So, and again, I still have like, you know, this was maybe, this was before I got on seminar staff. So this is like maybe 2014 when I'm up at Reebok. Anyways, we have a- Are you traveling at that time back and forth between St. Thomas or you actually nope. just make the leap from no. St. Thomas to that piece of shit called Boston? Sorry. <laughs> I had moved up here full time. Okay. So we have a GMM, a global marketing meeting in Las Vegas, Nevada. And so there are a thousand retailers that are from all around the world that are going to see the products that are going to do, you know, all this stuff. And they have everything displayed. They have a huge event with dancers showing off the new Reebok gear. Kendrick Lamar shows up, makes an appearance. Like we have all of this stuff going on. And then the John Jones UFC fight was on Friday. On Saturday, we oh, had a, a lot of people don't know that about um, uh, Matt O'Toole. He's this six foot three skinny white guy, but he's super um, assimilated into the rap community. No shit. The hip hop culture. Like, I mean, Reebok classics. Yeah, like, like homies with them. Like, like he did MDMA with, uh, <laughs> told me this great story one night. He did Molly with, um, I'll remember the guy's name. Some rapper though, we all know. Huge, huge rapper, huge. Yeah, but o O'Toole was cool, man. He could uh, fit in anywhere. Yeah, I didn't do MDMA with him. I'm uh, I'm still not quite, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm not that tight with I him. I understand, I understand. You probably, he only does it with guys who spit mad bars. So. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not quite there yet. Maybe, maybe okay. that's my next venture. Anyways, I'll try to make a long but story short. Have you short. done MDMA with um, uh, Dylan Francis? No. Okay. No, those guys don't. My job with them is to is to not have them do that. And, and I and I saw some stuff like that on your um uh, uh Instagram, where you basically talk about that too. You need to keep up with them, and then also train with them at seven in the morning. We'll circle back to that so that they know that they can do both. So if they're staying up till two in the morning, you stay up till two in the morning because at seven a.m. they need. Clears they the need barrier. To be able to get it. They can't be like, well, he didn't stay up as late as me. Anyway, we'll we'll get to that one second. Okay, so tell me, so you're you're in Vegas, you're you're smoking a blunt with Kendrick Lamar. Where were we? This is definitely the first time that I've come up with this story. But now that I guess I'm not working for Reebok anymore, um, I they're hope he's okay with there. They, they're they're <clears throat> going to be happy you told the story. I just said Matt O'Toole did uh, um, Molly with MDMA. Yeah, yeah. So it's fine. It's all good. 
So it was Austin and Denise were supposed to go out there to run it because they run the, the giant fitness events, but they both had stuff to do. They were either at the CrossFit Games or they had seminars. So they send me out there and they're like, you like, do not fuck this up. I'm like, of course. I was like, I'm not going to drink until after we run this fitness event. So we were there for a few days before, there for a few days afterwards. Good rule. So the first few days in the morning, we're running these classes. I mean, like 50 to 100 people, bodyweight workouts all over, you know, the different areas we're staying in Vegas. And this event is at this huge open field. We're talking, we're putting thousands, thousand, close to a thousand people through a workout, five different instructors that all rotate around. There's like a 10 minute running, a 10 minute CrossFit. So I was in charge of putting together all the instructors, making sure they knew their roles. So rather than just me being there as a CrossFit coach, I was essentially putting the entire event on. And, and I remember telling Austin, I was like, I'm not going to drink unless like Matt O'Toole wants to have a beer with me. And he's like, okay. So there's another person in this factor who is very close friend of mine, but an absolute weapon. His name is Chris Froyo. You have uh, experienced oh, yeah, much stuff yeah, with yeah. Chris Froyo. He, he ended up becoming the man over there. <clears throat> yeah, Chris is dope. I loved Chris too. What a cool dude. Incredible. You know, CrossFitter, owned an affiliate, ran yep. stuff for Reebok. Him and his brother actually started off in the mailroom at Reebok. And then, I can't even tell those two apart. And worked their way up. You, after, after a certain amount of time, I, I started I getting to it. But um, So Chris is an absolute animal. We're going to the UFC fight and- he is like, he, he just brings me a drink and it was supposed to be a vodka soda, but it was like 90% vodka. I'm like, okay, we'll have one and then we'll be good. Next thing you know, we're at the blackjack table. It's like Matt O'Toole, Lanka, Corinna. It's all of at the higher ups, the president of the company. I'm like yelling at Matt because he's trying to hit when, when the dealer's showing like, like, like 16, you're just like, just like stop. And we, we won a bunch of money. He had rented out the club Hakkasan beforehand it was like the Reebok pre-fight party and then you got stamped to be able to go back in the club later that night right so we're like hey we're all going to go back into the club I'm like hey I'm with the president of the company we should be okay yeah so we're going to go back in and they're like you guys can't come in with shoes on everyone had Reebok classics on that's what everyone got and it was like no he like you know Corinna was like this is the man who rented this place out we all have our stamps and he's like that's fine but you can't you know where you can't, you can't wear shoes in there. I'm not allowed to let anyone in. And then two guys walk next to us and they get let in and they're wearing casual clothing. And she freaks out and she's like, what is it? You know, like how come they're let in? He rented this place out. And the bouncer's like, they're on the guest list for the DJ. They are with the DJ. We don't have any control of that. Two days prior to this, one of the DJs that I know well had reached out like, oh, you're in Vegas. You got to come through didn't even think about it or mention it. And he's like, I'll put you on plus whoever you want. And so I was like, I'm on that list. And I'm, I'm just this, you know, I'm like a, a hardly, and did everyone just look at you like hardly huh? even an intern. <laughs> and everyone's like, huh? and the guy's like, yeah, okay. And I was like, no, my name's on that list, Connor Murphy. And I think the guy just assumes that I saw a name on it. And he goes, right. you show me an ID that says Connor Murphy and I'll let you guys all in here. And I just pull out my ID and they're like, good to go. And Matt awesome. was like, how the, f- who are you? How did you get this? So next thing you know, we're in there. We're in the DJ booth. Were you with, tripping? Uh, were you like, fuck, this is, that was like, this was the coolest perfect. I could have looked. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. so, such like, there was no other club that that would have happened to, like that just so happened to like work out right. So we go in there, Matt's buying me beers. Chris, we're, we're ripping shots. We're in the DJ booth. 
we're with John Jones dapping up like everything is good. And, um, and we stayed up until five 30 in the morning and I had to be at the event at six and then the instructor showed up at seven. So Chris is like, yep, just don't go to bed. I was like, nope. I went up, I showered, I messaged all the instructors. I was like, Hey, bus is going to leave at seven. I'm heading out early. So I called. Are you hating life at this point? Oh yeah. But I knew, I knew well, I mean, I've, I've gotten into those before and I'm, and I, and I pride myself on my ability to show up the next day. However, (sighs) in this instance, I called Jake who I'm going to the venue with an hour early. And he was like, Hey, we had to leave early. We had some issues. Just go with the instructors. So I was like, okay, sit on the edge of my bed. I'm like, I could probably just nap for 30 minutes. Woke up at nine o'clock. Oh shit. Missed, oh, missed shit. calls, mixed text messages. I remember that the CrossFit coach who we had brought down there, who I was, who was one of my best friends. I just remember seeing the last text was bro. I mean, missed calls from Denise, missed calls from Austin, missed calls from Jan, missed calls from Fro, missed calls from, and I'm like, I mean, you, when I woke that feeling, I was just like, I think I actually crumbled down to my knees and I put my head in my hands and I was like, you just fucked up. You just fucked up. Dear God, <laughs> and it was, can we go back? Can you give me a time machine? Oh, it was that feeling. And I'm like, I'm like trying to put my shirt on and I go get in this random cab to try to find my way there. But like the event's already over. And I look at my Snapchat story and I'm like, I got to delete all evidence. I don't know if I posted anything. It is me in the DJ booth pouring gray goose into my mouth and then pouring it into Matt O'Toole's mouth and then pouring it into Fro's mouth. Cause I'm like, Hey, without, maybe without bringing it back, it's just spilling. Everywhere. Oh yeah. And it has like one of like the handles on it. So it's like a, you know, like a gerbil and it, Oh, and we're just pouring it out and everyone's just, yeah. And I'm like, and I look down at like, who's viewed the story. It's like Denise Austin. And I was like, Oh fuck. So the next day I found, I was like, Hey, you know, you can't hide it. You can't make up a story. It was just, I made a series of poor decisions. I went out drinking. Granted the people that really would have been mad I was with. And right. you know, they, they thought it was funny. Luckily the event ran off fine. We had done enough. That's work. what I was going to ask. It did go smooth. We had done enough work on the front end. I wasn't there to announce all the instructors. So Jan Martin took that over. He was still, he was pretty upset at me from that, but it was so weird apologizing to people because I, for every senior director, I'm like, I'm going to talk to everyone. I'm going to say, I went out, I got too drunk. I missed the event. It won't ever happen again. And, you know, first person I talked to is Jan. He was like, I'm so disappointed. You had a chance to show that you're more than just like the fun party CrossFit guy. And you could be really squared away. I'm so disappointed in you. Denise didn't, Denise didn't talk to me for three weeks. Austin was so angry. And then, you know, I go talk to Matt and he's like, Oh yeah, it's fine. I'm like, okay, that was a different one. And then I go talk to Chris Waldeck. Matt O'Toole. Mm-hmm. Matt O'Toole. Yeah. You guys, this guy is the big wig. He's like a, thousands the president of, of he, the company. Yeah. Like he, it, it, it's a massive company just so you know. So it's, it's, it is, I, I have to cut you a lot of slack. I have to be like, yeah, you did the right thing. I, did, I don't, I haven't heard anything where I'm like, you fucked up. Well, <laughs> person. if I would have just, if I would have showed up, I think I would have gotten a little bit more credit. But when I finally get back, there's one other guy, Chris Waldeck, who's a, a you know senior director at the time. And I sit down with him after class. I'm like, hey, here's what happened. And he's like, if I were there, you wouldn't have shown up at all. 
He's like, I would have made oh. sure you were buried. You would have been on the, you would have been, you would have been so drunk. You'd been flying home the next day. He's like, you got the Lindsay Lohan award. And I'm just like, you know, I don't know how people are going to react to me. I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know how it's right. going to happen. Right. But right. It, from that one, it was like, Hey, if you fuck up, don't hide under a rock. Don't, you know, own it, own it right away. Hey, here's what happened. You guys can get over it. Everyone's made mistakes. But at that point in time, and I, and I was just, a, I was just a part-time employer. I was a temp coach. I'm like, oh, my contract's going to be up. Ended up talking with Matt O'Toole a few weeks later. And he's like, hey, when is your part-time contract up? I was like, I think it was up like a couple months ago. I was just still there. And he's like, don't worry about it. You're a great guy. We're going to extend you as long as we can. It's like, It's great. You, you started the story by saying how supportive he was of the gym. And in the chain of command, there were 20 people between you and him. And yet he would still talk to you. I always heard about that at Reebok, that you guys had 800 employees down there in the gym and that it changed the whole vibe there. And that everyone, you know, the guy who fucking worked, picked up trash, was working out doing thrusters next to O'Toole. What a fucking cool scene. I mean, he'd be partnered with interns during CrossFit workouts and, and asking them questions. And after like a big, like a really good session, um, you know, everyone would be, you know, doing the, the typical like bacon sizzle on the floor and he'd get up and be like, Hey guys, like, I just want to like talk about how special this is and how amazing these coaches are for all the work and effort they put in for us to be able to experience this. So like, let's give it up for our coaches. Like he would do that stuff all the time. Is he still there? I think so. Man, I believe so. A, I wonder if that's all. Do, do you know, do you have friends who still work there? Yeah, I actually still coach class there once a week because I I miss all the people that we coach. And yeah. since you know my company doesn't do a lot Friday mornings, uh, I'll go there and I coach one class uh, Friday morning, and it is still an absolute blast. Yeah, what a trip. Um, uh, and, and is Reebok still in the? Is it in that second building you moved to? I only know two locations. I knew that you guys had that one massive, crazy location, like in the forest. Yeah, so it's then, not in Canton and then anymore. You moved, okay. It's in it's in Seaport, so it's actually yeah. about, about a mile away from my office at Big Night. Well, wow, okay, and I've been I've been to the Seaport one too. That's where the mm-hmm. gym is up. There's an upstairs and downstairs. Yep. Yeah, I remember actually having a conversation with you in one of the downstairs offices. I don't remember what you were in town for, but wow, crazy. Crazy. Yeah, I, I, it was you and Austin and maybe Hobart was there. Yep. Maybe Spencer Hendel. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. I, when I, I, I just was on tour with artist Lauv and the first place that I flew into was Denver and they were busing from Texas. So Hobart actually picked me up from the airport. We went and visited a friend, hung out that night, and then took the like 6.30 a.m. class at CrossFit Mafia, one of the gyms he trains at. And it was just an incredible. I, I, I have unbelievable things to say about James Hobart. He's one of my best friends. I just think he's such a good dude. He is such a good dude. Smarter than he'll ever let anyone lead anyone to believe. And people he, think he's smart, but I don't think people really understand how smart he is. I I I could have I could have I could have made Hobart famous. Why didn't you? Okay, he doesn't want to be. Probably because he's smart. <laughs> <laughs> Hobart, maybe I, I'll text Hobart after this. I drag him back onto the show. Come on, Hobart. Um, oh, how this guy Lauv? Mm-hmm. How do you? How does? How does one get? What kind of music does he play? He's a pop, he's always a, he's a singer. 
Um, oh, James just said hi. Oh, there he is. Um, he's a singer. Uh, so it's like a don't like, text me. I think that's for me, not for you. <laughs> he's a um, uh, he's a singer and like like pop music. Super interesting is that he's an independent artist, <clears throat> so he doesn't pay a record label. He doesn't do and so all of his he writes songs for BTS, which is a big K-pop band for Celine Dion. I'm pretty sure everyone's heard of her, and then writes all of his own music. It's an incredible songwriter, incredible voice, super talented, but because he's had so much success, none of it's gone. And I mean, none of it has gone to a, you know, a company that he's signed with. He owns everything that he does, which is super cool. Yeah. That's super cool. And so he must be, he must be busier than shit. Yeah. I mean, he on tour, you would think is when people are the busiest, but it's usually leading up to tour, creating albums, doing all that. When you're on tour, you know, you actually have a decent amount of downtime, which is usually now why, we're trying to kind of change this culture from it being like a, you know, a rock star party life and have people actually feel good during it and prioritize their health and prioritize their fitness and, you know, use that time to actually improve your quality of life through fitness and training while you're playing these shows and traveling on a bus all around the country, all around the world. Can you tell me um, how you met this guy? Like, like in your first encounter with him? Uh, Yeah. I mean, with, now, because I've had a lot of success with some of the EDM artists, specifically Dylan Francis, EDM, electronic dance music, DJs, okay. um, because I've had the amount of success with Dylan, he's really well known in, you know, in the Hollywood area, in the music industry area. He's hilarious. You have to find his Instagram and TikTok. He is, he's a hilarious, super creative guy. Now people will see he's posted about our success in training. Now it's kind of like, hey, if you want to do CrossFit, um, you know, Connor can help you out or Big Night Fitness uh, with Big Night CrossFit can like, get you there. You did, a, you did a backflip on stage at a Dylan Francis concert. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, pinned in your Instagram. That's crazy. You know what's funny? When, I, couldn't, when you po- I thought that was him. When I first saw that, I thought that was him doing the backflip and you were proud that you taught him that. But that was actually you out there. Yeah, the, he's like, "Hey, dude, do a backflip in my show." Well, the two, so the the so this was Young Gravy's DJ and uh, Tip, and he was like, "Like, come on stage and dance." And everyone kept telling me to do it. Everyone was like, "Oh, you should come dance on stage. Come dance your on stage." Your butt's too big to moonwalk. You see that? Your butt's uh, your butt's too big to moonwalk. I think it was just. Yeah, I think we did a heavy squat down that day, but um, no one's even looking at your moonwalk. They're just looking at your ass. Those are some good pants. I think those are Lululemon. Yeah, you, your ass looks huge in there. Congratulations. Thanks, man. I appreciate you pointing that out to everyone too. Um, yeah, so so Tip is uh, Young Gravy's DJ and just loved, loved you know, hyping up the crowd. He would play the, the funnest songs before Gravy's set. But I was like, this isn't, you know, I haven't earned dancing in front of a crowd that big. Like, this is your show. You guys have fun and do it. And he's like, just do it on one show. So I was like, all right. So kind of last minute, I just ran out there, threw a backflip, did a couple dance scared? moves. Scared? Were you scared? Oh, heart rate was through the... I mean, even before, even when I started thinking about when I was going to do it, I still get that like nervous, like pit in my stomach. What if I mess yeah. it up? What if I, you know, what if it doesn't go well? What if, you know, something happens, but... You, you did know, a moonwalk, dude, on stage. Yeah. At a concert. I bragged to people that I testified in a murder trial. I would much... <laughs> I mean, I think that's... A, moonwalking on that's so crazy is that the only moonwalk you've done in front of a massive crowd no 
I mean, another moonwalk for, for a crowd that big. Yeah, yeah. probably. But you have done I used a to moonwalk in the kitchen for my mom. That's how I learned is in soccer. I used to watch music videos on channel 472. It was like digital cable Comcast and it would just loop music videos. I would record it on VHS and then I would rewatch it back and just try to learn how to moonwalk. Dude, you moonwalked at a concert. (laughs) (laughs) I think just the fact that I was allowed to go on the stage is, is, is as cool as whatever I did on it. Oh, it's, I mean, I like it because you took full advantage of it. Every movie, I mean, you run out there, you're fucking shaking that ass, you fucking do a backflip and then go into a moonwalk. I mean, you didn't fuck around. You could have just gone out there and been conservative. No, kill shots. Yeah. First time every time. Okay. So, so, so Dylan Francis posts you basically, it's like him saying, I take, I drink this, this sports drink before I go out and people start buying the sports drink because, because they see his success. So people see him affiliated with you. And you, instead of a sports drink, you're a person who has some sort of effect on him that keeps him healthy based on your knowledge and the way you take care of yourself. So he, he posted like before and after pictures of him. He had lost a bunch of weight, gained a ton of muscle, felt better, stopped drinking, hasn't drank since that tour. And that wasn't the original plan. The plan is just we just don't drink on tour so we can get healthy. But it changed his entire perspective on taking care of himself and then when he kind of pushed and promoted that, there's a, there's a post where you see him. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's like, it looked like he, he, like he, he got put in the dryer. Like he like got all the wrinkles out <clears throat> and this is post workout. This is what we did, you know, a test retest workout of, um, kettlebell swings, uh, burpee over the box and then a cow row. And that's just in a club somewhere that is in the venue so we have a production cart full of equipment. And while they're setting, setting up the stage in the venue, I set up all my equipment. <laughs> I set up all my equipment on the floor. And then, and I'm like, I'll train whoever. It doesn't need to be the artist that has hired me or the headlining artist. Anyone who wants to train, I'll be here from this time. Let's go through workouts. We had people. Oh, you're so cool, Connor. Fuck. I just, I mean, it, the, the changes that it's had on my life, and it's, and it's for selfish reasons. I mean, now think like I'm able to give this to someone else. Like that feels good. Seeing Dylan happier, look better, be fitter. Like that's, yeah, sure. It's great for him, but it's also like, like that's such a cool thing to be able to do. So it's not just selfless. And it's like, it's very selfish because it, it makes me feel good. It gives me that self-worth that I can help some, you know, incredibly famous artist, you know, they need me for something. It's cool. It's, it's, it's unique. And I, and I never thought I would have, I never thought it would get to that point. I want to just send an open letter right now to anyone who is on tour with Dylan Francis or anyone who wants to meet Dylan Francis. If Connor has that shit set up and you know, Dylan Francis is going to be doing fucking Helen and you've never done CrossFit before, but you want to meet Dylan Francis, go over there and do Helen. And then later, as you walk by Dylan Francis, ask him what his Helen time was, he'll actually stop because he won't fucking believe you did it. And he'll be like, it was nine minutes. And you'll be like, mine was 13 minutes. And you guys will bond like you can't even fucking believe. I know I'm preaching to the choir because most of the people on the show know this. But two people who fucking hate each other or maybe don't care to talk to each other, the second you ask them what their Helen time was from the workout they did earlier in the day, or pick any workout, you guys are going to bond. So if you want to meet Dylan Francis for step one, do CrossFit with Connor if you're on the tour. Like, just do it. 
you can you'll become homies with them. We had okay. we had the the yeah. photographer for Young Gravy who's like famous on TikTok for dancing, wanting to train every single day. We would have people from the from the stage and production team that you know they're they're grinding all day getting everything set up. That would come by and you know I'd tailor the workouts depending on what people wanted to do. Some guy was right. like, I just want to lift today. I'm like, let's deadlift. Throw a bunch of plates yeah. on the bar, deadlift in the center of a venue. It's fucking cool. And then, so cool. you know, and then maybe I'll dose them up with a little bit of something they need rather than just what they want. You know, right. after we deadlift. Once they're warm, you can kind of talk them into anything. Yeah, back. Like, all right. Because I just deadlifted with you, let's just do, uh, we'll go five burpees over the bar back and forth for five minutes. You do five, I'll do five. You do five, I'll do five. We'll just see how yeah. many we can get. And if you start yeah. to get tired and you want to start just do four, I'll do six. And that'll give you a little bit more rest time so we don't have that partner tipping scale, which is if you've ever done a workout, a partner workout with James Hobart, this is how it goes when your rest starts getting shorter and he gets more rest. So then he's fresher, moving faster then you're moving slower and you want to die. That's what training with James Hobart is like. He's so he's fit. He's so fit. And he'll be like, mm, have you been training? It's like, you're fucking fit. What do you think happened? Why didn't he do masters this year? What do you think happened? <laughs> you think I'm trying to figure out whether the, the other guys are that much better than him. Or if he just didn't train hard enough, I don't think that was. His, I don't think that was his. If he wants it, he'll do it. He'll do it. If okay. he doesn't want it, he's still incredibly fit, you know. And maybe, maybe as he was training, he's like, "Hey, I you know, still have a shot at this." But no, if he if he wanted to train to do that, you know, even the year that he took what second in the Masters, he had only started training kind of when the Open set, and he was like, oh, "I guess I should you know put in work for this." And then once that light switch went, it's you know full dedicated. But I think he's. Were you, were you really close with James? Mm-hmm. Were you ever jealous of his and Rich's relationship? Uh, no, I was. I mean, James and I were were good friends during that period of time. But once James moved back to Boston, is when we started getting really close. He's been there for me a lot of times it, in support in times when he didn't necessarily need to be. This was old school. This is when I was still, uh, you know, down in St. Thomas. We would we would do like oh. little boys trips down there. What's that guy's name next to James? Not to the AJ. left of James. AJ. Yeah, I still I, I I catch up with AJ once in a while. We, I'll text with AJ. Yeah, and this is uh, I mean that guy all the way on the right there, Gabe Groover. Again, another very very close friend of ours had lost I want to say like eighty pounds since we started training together. Just in, incredible, incredible dude. One of my very best friends. The guy next to him, Bubba Haggard. Can I say something about that guy? By the way, when I look at that picture, the guy on the right in mm-hmm. the green shorts. That's the guy you're talking about? Yep. Um, I saw this picture last night, and I stopped and looked at it. That that uh, I, I love that body. He would. That's like man, that's like man body. It looks like he like he's a NASCAR driver, doesn't it? He's like, a, like, like um, an oversized NASCAR driver. He he builds houses. He drives boats. He does like yeah, everything. He's got man vibe. Oh yeah, from him, and he just. He has like a thunderous laugh too. And you just want yeah. to be around him. He's just like He's every- Will Ferrell all juiced up <laughs> with a high T count. If Will Ferrell did CrossFit for two years, that would be very, very similar. Yeah. It's so funny. That guy so stood out next to me. All those dudes are, are cool dudes. Yeah. Even Bubba in the middle competed many years as a master is like 58 years old now. Still one of our close friends. Still, I mean, we like go out together. We'll hang out. We'll grab- food will train he's uh he's actually been getting into jujitsu as well but i mean we're yeah all of us are still really tight and that was 444 weeks ago how, how about when hobart got married were you, were you concerned that you were going to like lose his friendship a little bit then did that make you give you anxiety i officiated the wedding oh even so did you try to sabotage it 
There was no sabotaging. I love Cass. They're they're awesome. If James is going to make a solid decision like that, I'm on board. I don't care what it's going to be. If he's if he's going, this is what I want. Good, no matter what it is. And Cass has Cass and I have always been friends. Uh, when James was down with Rich, uh, Cass and I would would go to the gym and we'd catch up and and do workouts together. She's she's awesome. She's always been super sweet to me. She's always been you know, also loves that James and I have a friendship and relationship. She's like, oh, you know, James and I went to a wedding. James was my wedding date for one of my buddy's weddings a couple months ago. And Cassandra's like, yes, go, go spend time with him. Go hang out. Is that James's wedding? Yeah, it is. I wasn't invited to that. I think you would be now. If they were to, if they were to re-up again, I think you would be now. No, I would not. We, we have a weird relationship. I think you would be um, he, um, I, he, he, when I first started this podcast, uh, he, he would come on with me and do a news show. What would you guys talk shit, about? And then shit got squirrely. He, we, we would, we just like current events. You yeah. know what I mean? Like how maybe like they were coming out with a new hundred dollar bill or maybe how like, um, you know, the oldest living elephant in captivity died or you know what I mean? Just current, just current event shit. And he always knows stuff like that. Like he always, he's like reading random. He'll just be sitting on the phone and we're hanging out and he's scrolling through and I'm like, what are you reading? And it'd be something like that. Oh, how this hundred year old elephant has, you know, you know, X, Y, Z. I'm like, I don't know. How do you, he just, he, he was almost too stoic for the show. He's very stoic. He can be, but he's funny, but he's stoic. He had very dry humor for what, that's that like intelligence piece there. Like it's, I think he's guarded. Probably putting himself out there in front of everyone. I would say, yeah, he'd probably be guarded, especially how, you know, I, you kind of like to pick people apart too sometimes. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. He, I, maybe that's what it was. He was, he didn't want any loose threads on his sweater. Like he was mm-hmm. like, nothing I could like. He's buttoned up. <laughs> Um, okay. So tell me how, um, so, so, uh, I want to hear how you first met Dylan Francis, but let's close this door on Lauv. So can you give me like the details of like, you're sitting at home and, and you look down at your phone and Dylan's like, Hey, my buddy Lauv needs somebody. Or can you tell me like how that happens with this guy? I was working a seminar in Albany, a level one, two person level one. So you don't have much time to do anything. Albany, New York, Albany, New, New York. York. Yep. And old school, old school gym, CrossFit Albany. It's still in that room with all the racquetball courts. Um, so I was working a seminar with Pete Shaw and I had a voicemail. Great dude. I had a voicemail on my phone from Lauf's tour manager and said, Hey, can we get you to come out on the road with us? But how did he get your number? He got my number from, uh, Ari, who is Lauf. His name is Ari. Ari's assistant because i've toured with her boyfriend with dylan before so it was like hey we need this guy's contact info and then it was just i had a voicemail on my phone and i i reached with my business partners at big night i'm like hey do we do we find this beneficial for me to go on the road he has kind of two weeks left the tour but just wants some structure and wants to get some diet um and nutrition advice and wants to you know just get you know just a, a bit of a training regimen um, Ari's a Jew. Uh, I don't know. Ari, Ari's a Jew. Oh, it's, 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 it's a great Jew name. I got I, my son's name is Ari. This is his last name is Lef L E F F. I think. I don't know if that's a Jew name. Is that Jew name Beaver? Beaver's definitely not a Jew name. 
Mm. Um, uh, so they, and, and it's in the entertainment industry. I gotta be, I gotta be like 95% close to being right. Yeah. You can, if you pull up one of his most famous song, um, yes, thank you. Fuck. I should just, be teaching at a you're just um, trying to claim university just, with my just claiming whoever you can, huh? Yeah, I should be teaching at a university <laughs> oh, with my ability to pick out Jews. Like, drop him in this this category. Um, pick out Jews, Armenians, and black guys. Those are my specialty. He, uh, uh, so you get the call and you don't just jump on it. You at you go to your team. You ask your team. Yep, I talk to my business partners. Hey, is this? Do we find this beneficial? I have. I'm building out a gym right now. So instead of me having to use the Reebok training facility, we can capture a lot more of the content of the celebrity training that we're doing here. All the artists that come through, uh, create on demand content, create, you know, more so instead of just training this behind closed doors, because there's no fucking difference between Diplo doing CrossFit and, and your grandma doing CrossFit with the small exception is that people give a shit about Diplo doing CrossFit. And if we can promote and push that, there's a greater likelihood of someone seeing that and saying, I want to give this a shot. Now, when we push, you know, grandma doing it, you get the people who say, oh, maybe my grandma wants to do this. But when you have someone with whatever, six, seven million followers and is posting about, hey, I'm doing CrossFit, I'm training with Connor, where you are at, you know, Big Night Fitness with Big Night CrossFit. And then people start to care. So we can reach that broader audience. And also it's cool self-promotion because people somehow think you're cool when you train celebrities as if it's any different from getting someone else success. Well, it's just from the selfish point, it's, it's a great experience for you. Like, like a life full of stories, a life, the being on a tour bus with someone who's touring the country and the, and the tire breaks down and you end up staying out all night, um, drinking, doing burpees and well, sorry, you guys don't drink, uh, um, playing cards out under the stars with a famous person. And uh, I had some drinks with, with Ari after he okay. played, he played a sold out show at the Greek in LA. He was like, he was like, would you maybe want to have, I'm like, Hey, if you're drinking, I'm drinking. <laughs> so we went back to his house. I don't house. want to, but I need to be no, I need to drink as much as you. So tomorrow I know where you're at, what state you're in. And, and tomorrow, or, you know, we went back to his house in the Hollywood Hills, beautiful home. And, I went back to my hotel that night and we, we agreed on our training time in the morning and his, his, uh, tour manager messages me, Hey, have you spoken with Ari? Are you guys still on for training? And I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm showing up at his house. I'm not going to give him the opportunity to say, no, we're not going to do this. And I don't think he had a ton to drink either. So we get there, hit this awesome workout. We got like a little warm up, like walk through the Hollywood Hills, do this workout at the top of his driveway, just like beautiful view 360. And afterwards he's like, man, I feel good. I want to, like my next meal, I'm going to have like a healthier meal and let's not drink. And it's like, great, we can, you know, just get him on the right path. But when you start to have this divisiveness as if he wanted to, you know, he just sold out a show in his hometown and he wanted to have a couple of drinks. If I'm like, well, we're training tomorrow. So, you know, and it almost puts this like bad damper on it, whether it be the right decision or not the right decision with my experience in training people, if, if we're on that same path, it's like, hey, maybe we're not going to take a step in the right direction tonight. Maybe we take a step in the wrong direction tonight, but I'll be there tomorrow for us to take two steps forward. It just opens and creates that relationship and that trust area where I don't need something from him. I'm just there with him to hang out because after hanging out with a lot of these people, do I want to be rich? Yes. Do I want to be famous? Fucking no. Not like they are. Not have to put a show on every time you 
go out, not knowing who trusts you, who actually likes you, who actually wants to be your friend, who just wants something from you. I feel fucking bad for those guys. Uh, it, I think it was Tupac who said, fuck the fame, all I want is the money. Yeah, I mean, I would, I don't know if that's, yes, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> Connor Murphy, check. Yeah. Um, so when have, when you're called and, and you start working with uh, what, La, La, Lav? Lav, L-A-U-V. Lav. Mm -hmm. When you start working with Lav, is, does he know is he is he the one who's like, hey, I'd like to get someone on I can train with, and or is it sort of like an intervention? Have you ever been called somewhere where it's an intervention where they haven't told the celebrity like, hey, that we're bringing like someone on to like get you on the straight and narrow? Um, never as much as hey, this is going to be an intervention. More so, it's hey, you know, like they want you to be a good influence on this. Yeah, here's here's kind of you know Connor's going to come in. The guy wants a trainer. And they're like, we know Connor's done this before, so we're going to bring him in. And and I'm not like, here, here's what you have to do. But I'm more like bumpers when you're going bowling. You know, right. we start to get off a little bit too far. And if I'm there, and I always use it too. I'm like, hey, you're paying me to be here, man. Use me. Whatever right. you want. We'll train in the morning. We can do fasted cardio in the morning. We can lift in the afternoon. I'll go. We'll, we'll do whatever. I'll take you to a gym. We can go to an affiliate. I go, I'll, I'll look up a gym. We'll go to the hotel gym. Like Whatever you want. Like, I'm here for it. And so you, and so you get called and then you, so you basically go out with Lau for two weeks mm -hmm. and he, he wanted to continue. Uh, he still has the last leg of his tour, uh, this week and then plays iHeartRadio in Vegas. I just, there's so much stuff back here. The flooring just got in for my gym. We have, I had to record this podcast today. Tomorrow is, uh, we actually have that affiliate or not affiliate, the trainer kind of summit, a little like Northeast oh, trainer right, summit. Right. There's just a lot of stuff we had to do, but I'd love to be on the road with him. He actually utilizes me as a trainer, listens to my advice when we talk nutrition and, you know, has seen, even in two weeks, has seen success. Other people, hey, you've been working out. Have you been training? His parents came out on tour in San Diego. And they're like, have you been lifting? Like, and, you know, and, and like seeing him, you know, then gain more confidence from that. And it's, you know, we just do classic CrossFit. First workout we did was... Know, 10 minutes of Cindy. I wanted to, I usually try to assess people. So if I can get on a treadmill, I'll have you walk for a minute, run for a minute, and you get to choose what the speeds are of walking and running just for 10 minutes. And if they have the push at the end, then I know they're a little bit more conditioned. If they're maintaining the same pace or going slower as we continue on, it's like, all right, they're pretty deconditioned. We'll, we'll take it a little bit easier because I can't train them as if I have them for two straight weeks. I need to make sure he can still perform at his show that night. That's the most important, not the fitness side of it, unfortunately. So we have right. to appropriately dose so I'm not just fucking destroying him. Any idiot right. trainer can go throw someone into a workout and make them so sore they can't walk for a week. That doesn't make you an effective trainer. In fact, that makes you an ineffective trainer, contrary to popular belief. Um, uh, you ever do two-a-days with these guys? Like oh yeah. Dylan's like, Hey, let's do, I want to do another one. Oh, Dylan was on. We would, we would even do like a fast. Dylan follows intermittent fasting for the main reason that the easiest thing for you to eat and to find access to at two in the morning when you finish playing your show is nothing. So if that's on your diet guideline and then we're sleeping on a bus and I can be there for, you know, breaking our fast at noon. Awesome. I found that to be very effective because you don't necessarily always have access to whatever your diet foods are. Not to say it's better, same, or worse, 
but we've seen a lot of success in that. And a lot of people, even on the tour, uh, his tour manager on the first tour that we went on lost over 20 pounds. Wow. From just jumping in the workouts with you guys. Just hopping in the workouts. And I would also train him outside of just training Dylan. So if Dylan was training, sometimes Mike needed to be working. And then, you know, if Mike wasn't working, you know, I, and, and Mike's a good friend of mine. He's actually how, he's my kind of ace in the hole. He, he's always worked at a Reebok and trained, and then he became the tour manager for Dylan Francis. Then actually James and I went out to one of his shows. It was Dylan Francis, Zed, and Steve Aoki. And we went out to one of the shows and we were going to do a workout. We had some equipment on the side of the bus and Dylan came out to make fun of Mike because he had like his like knee sleeves around his ankles and it looked like Uggs and he was just, you know, just being funny. And I just reached out. I asked him like, you want to do a workout? He was like, sure. So we went in and went into one of the green rooms. And Who's I brought, this? Who, who did you say that to? <clears throat> you want to do a workout? This is Dylan Francis after I was yeah, just okay. out to, yeah. to yeah. train and hang with Mike. Yeah. Yeah. So James, Mike, and I did a workout uh, with some of the people from Zed's team as well. And then Dylan saw it, came out, and was like, "Oh, you guys doing CrossFit?" Or like, I was like, "Do you want?" I was like, "I'll take you through a workout. Do you want to train?" Yep. This is the this is the throwback picture. Wow. And uh, and so I brought him into the green room. I had a medicine ball, that medicine ball that I'm squatting right there. Which for some reason we were doing wall balls. We did a team series earlier, and I and I had to do Karen. And then we were like, "Oh, let's do some more wall balls." I was just like, "Ah, fuck it." Um, so the workout was, he was going to do 75 squats for time, but every minute on the minute he had to do five burpees. So the first round he did like 30 air squats. I'm like, oh man, this might not be a a good enough workout. Had him squat down to the ball, talked about mechanics, a couple of things. All right, you know, pull your chest up, drive your knees out, same shit. And then he does his five burpees. And the next round he does like 17 squats does his burpees. And the next round he does like six squats. And it was just so quick and effective for people that aren't doing full range of motion, functional movements, especially something as foundational as the air squat. And he, I mean, I think he finished like seven, eight minutes, just wrecked, laying down on the floor, like, oh my gosh, but not a ton of volume, but we got that little intensity dose for him. Yeah, yeah. And then when he comes back to life 45 minutes later, he was like, this is the best I've felt. The next day he talks to Mike. He's like, we got to figure out how to get Connor out on the road with us. And that's wow. how it all started. Wow. Hey, that's like, to, to, that's the Glassman way, right? You just got to get him to do one workout. Mm-hmm. You just got to get him to do one workout. He must've been sore as shit. I mean, it was 75 air squats. I think it was like, he, he was sore. But I don't think it was, you know, he wasn't like completely, you know, wrecked. If I were to have him do seventy-five wall balls on his first workout, he like wouldn't be walking for the next week. Right. Um. Do you know about? The, uh, were you at um, uh, Reebok before the um, Nano Two? That's right. I went right after the Nano Two. And do you know who the designer is of the Nano Two? Um, I know probably one of 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 many people. It is. It's one of many people. What do you know about the Nano 2? I'll tell you what I know about the Nano 2. Uh, greatest shoe ever made. Uh, absurdly, uh, absurdly uh, durable. Like I still think I have my original pair. Yeah, exa- absurd. The uh, I, I had actually heard while we were working with them that they were actually concerned with how durable they are. 
that they that they, that it wasn't making them money because it was just lasting too fucking long. Um, you could wash them. You could do anything to them. They were fucking nuts. And the toe box, you might as well have not even had a toe box. Like my toes are just like, just, just free. free. And that was just like the free. first, you know. Never not- could wear another pair of shoes. I, I still have, I have probably, I don't want to tell you how many pair I have. A, a closet full of, of Nano 2s, brand new in boxes. Love that. Um, And I'm just dying to know who, how that happened, how it stopped, why it's not any of those it, it's not any of those guys who were at um uh noble is it i think so the person who worked on the nano was one of the guys who went to and started noble but i th- on fucking real are you serious i want to say that judson van Cor, uh was one of the guys who was working on the nano i don't think tal was working on it at the time but i, do I don't know think who those guys are i don't i don't know who they are but they the did a lot of like design stuff but Okay. Uh, the two guys that I still, but still work for Reebok that do a lot of like the, you know, there's like the creation and then there's the kind of like design piece and the creation guys, uh, Tommy Piancentini, who is just like, he, he's just the best. You'd love this guy. Father of two girls just comes in, hits one workout a day is unbelievably fit. Beat me in Fran. The last time we did it head to head, he did like a wow. two thirteen Fran just wow. a monster just puts just just puts into work one hour a day lives the rest of his life um him and then uh dan hobson who looks like professor x but the most jacked version of professor x those guys okay. were i think behind a lot of the, like the skeleton area of the shoe not necessarily as much the design of it but i also but, could and those guys and those guys are still there mm-hmm. tommy definitely is and i think dan if he isn't still recently left um the it, it's interesting because you you the, the you have a shoe like the nano and i wanted them to do so the nano too i wanted them to do so much more with it um it, it was pretty plain looking on the outside i want like they i wanted them to get fucking crazy with it right just make it just full-blown gangster and nobles kind of gone that way um you know they have all the outside different looks on the outside but but i mean for, for me it's not a wearable shoe same mm-hmm. same with the metcon like like for different reasons the metcon is just just too narrow i just can't wear a narrow shoe i don't want my toes on top of each other yeah i don't want my feet to fucking look like lebron's have you ever seen lebron's feet no bad oh my dude maybe that's the answer though dude i can't just dunk sh- i can't dunk from the free throw line <clears throat> destroyed his toes are so smashed together oh no Oh no! Oh, that's not. That can't be. That's not. His, that's not his foot. There's no way. That's his foot. Oh no! That's not it. That's not it. Show me. That's. Hey, dude. So my kids are always barefoot, right? Okay. But, but they play. Just, but they play tennis, and and they and they wear tennis shoes, special tennis shoes, and they're so they're so fucking pointy at the front. I am blown away. <laughs> I can't. That has to be photoshopped. <laughs> What's his pinky toe doing? What it wants to do. What's it got, no, it's, it's going against the grain. It does not want to be there. Oh, oh my goodness. And we're talking about just the, the, just a superior athlete. I don't know. Okay. Maybe we don't need those. Maybe that's fuck. Maybe that's the point that we can take away from this. Maybe, maybe I don't like, the, just, I don't like the direction you're taking it. Hey, 
there's only one person's foot I've ever seen like that, and there's only one LeBron James. And so the correlate right now, a hundred percent of the time, if Fair your feet enough. look like that, you're a superior Science. athlete. <laughs> Boom. Science with Sevon and Connor. <laughs> look up correlate. Uh, I, I'm just fascinated by that shoe. Um, there's another brand of shoe um, named uh, Victos. They have a, a shoe called the Core One. I've heard of those. I, I haven't heard worn them. They, I would say it again. I've heard of those. Haven't worn them though. Yeah, the, the Core Two is kind of a disaster. It's it's they it's so thick and mushy, and it's it's just not. I, but the Core One, but it's not nearly built as well as the Nano Two. Yeah, I can go through a pair of Core Ones. Like I don't even wear shoes that often. I can go through a pair of Core Ones in, in three months. But man, but yeah, you see the toe box. I mean, it's the fucking Nano. Too. Yeah. And I heard that basically just they. I heard that they ripped off the Nano Two. That they actually took the Nano Two and just rebuilt it. I think a but lot. But they of got people- cool designs. The designs are like cool. They're tough looking. Yeah. I like that. I usually keep, I like the Nano 2 so much. I usually like keep it. Yeah, those are nice. I just got some of the, more of those, the white ones. Uh, I, I would just, I, I would just love to know like what the, I just would love to talk to someone extensively about the Nano 2, how many they sold, why they stopped making it, why they don't go back to it. Was it really the best shoe? Is it just me? But I've never heard any, I don't hear anyone say anything bad about the Nano 2. We can make that happen. I'll set you up with, with those guys. And if it's not them, they know exactly who it was that was in charge of it and, and, and all of that. Yeah. I'd love to know all about it. I, I don't understand why everyone should be just making sure. I mean, there's people who like the Metcon, but you can find tons of people who don't, like me. Like, my foot just doesn't fit in there. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. Yeah, like, I think it's like regular even... size condoms. They just don't work. I just don't fit in there. <laughs> What's a condom? Just, yeah, right. Good answer. Um, St. Tom. They don't have, they don't sell those on St. Thomas. Oh. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, so tell me all the ventures you have. You do the, you have, you have big night fitness. Mm-hmm. And through that we have big night CrossFit, which is, we have affiliated big night live, which is, um, this incredible music hall slash club. So we run fitness events in there. I'm also trying to push for CrossFit to do the final open announcement there. It's, you have to see it. This place is beautiful. What and city? In Boston. Okay. It's in the TD garden. Can you move it to another city? No. No, okay. you got to come back to Boston, Simon. Okay. All right. Fine. We got to get you out of California. I cannot. Well, I can I can leave California, but it's not not to go to Boston. No, you're going to go to Idaho, huh? Uh, something. It would be like I would never ask anyone who's trying to leave Boston to come to California. <laughs> oh, um, I can't these these fucking nut jobs. It's um the mu- it's it's amazing. So we've affiliated that as a CrossFit gym. We run some benefits. We ran, we ran a, a CrossFit workout to raise money for the Navy SEAL Foundation through the Boston Frogman Swim. Um, we oh, do. that's cool. Yeah. You're going to get canceled doing that shit there. Oh, shit, that's a dope venue. This is, so this is a few of our venues. We have the Grand. We have Memoir. We have, so we run all these fitness classes, and it's everything. It is you know, I could sit and, and, and talk about why CrossFit is more effective and I can define fitness and I can do all that stuff that maybe, not maybe, none of these other fitness disciplines can. But if you're going to get 60 people, I've actually gotten, we've had 100 cycle spin bikes inside of a club and ran three sequential classes, having 300 people go through there with just the most energy going through, you know, in a nightclub, CO2, lights, everything. It's, it's fun. It doesn't have to be, 
as regimented as what I need everyone to do. But fuck, if someone's going to do it, it might as well be us. So it's both. It's in, at night. It's a nightclub. During the day, it's CrossFit gym. Yeah, it's like this place is what we just got the 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 numbers back. It is the number four most ticket sold globally of any of any venue for a concert hall on Polestar. Wow. The number four. I mean, Big Night Entertainment Group, my sister company, it has their hand in everything. They do everything really, really well. They don't cut corners. They take care of their employees. They take care of that. And it leads from the top, from the GMs of every venue. They have 18, soon to be 19, I think, different nightlife and restaurants in the Boston area. And they're just so well connected through everyone and everything. It's, it's amazing. And so that's the, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Sorry. So that's the, when they brought me on, why we even have this relationship is because I had done, I had trained some of the DJs that come through their nightclubs. They were coming to Reebok before going out to do the dinners and to do all of that stuff. And that's when Randy, my business partner, the owner of Big Night Entertainment Group, co-owner with Ed Kane, came out to Reebok. And then I've trained them. I've trained his son. I've trained their DJs. Our producer here, Hurley, we work out Tuesday, Thursday mornings here in our little gym inside the office. And so that's how we got connected and started doing a lot more actually offering to any of the artists that were coming into town. Like, Hey, if you want a free outfit from Reebok and a free workout, we've got you covered. And, and a lot of people took advantage of it. And then from that, um, throughout the, uh, throughout the lockdowns, when gyms, when these boutique fitness studios weren't allowed to open because you didn't have 24 feet of space in between there. We also couldn't open club venues because we didn't serve food or whatever the guidelines were at the time. So we kind of merged those two. And I was just, I actually only came up to help them discuss the idea. And after about a four and a half hour meeting, they were like, Hey, Connor, like you're the guy we want to run this. Like, what do we have to do? And I'm like, I'm in. Uh, if, I, if I'm understanding right, I'm getting this vibe that there was this thing, uh, that Greg used to talk about like, Hey, if your CrossFit gym is busy in the morning and busy at night, what are you doing there during the middle of the day? Maybe you should, you know, find some use for it, whether it be AA meetings or running a SAT tutor program, but there should, you should be doing something with the space, a chess club, whatever, something that, you know, a positive in this, it's kind of, so these are venues that basically when there's not, when they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, you've turned them into health centers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fucking cool. We do, I mean, even in some areas in like our event space, we do blood drives once a week there. We'll do, they have for private event spaces, but do all sorts of things with it, utilize it. And if, and if someone can do it and run with it and these guys trust you, they're like, you do what you think is best and we'll support you. There's something weird about CrossFit. I'll get your opinion on this. Um, People who do it are so fucking passionate about it. They, it, it, it's, it's unbelievable. It's transformational to, to their lives, right? And, and I always use the same, the um, running parallel to it is people who have some sort of religious awakening, right? People mm-hmm. who find Jesus or people who, uh, you know what I mean? They, they change their diet to vegan and all of a sudden their, their hemorrhoids clear up. And so like they, they've been torturing them their whole life. There's, CrossFit has that effect on people. Then they misunderstand it and they try to monetize it. And no matter how hard they try, 
It's just not that thing that makes you rich. So an example would be you get someone uh, like Matt O'Keefe in Reebok who does who does CrossFit, and, and if anyone could have done it, it would have been it would have been Reebok, right? And all the employees there start to love it, so they get indoctrinated, and there's sort of this confusion that happens between doing what you know Greg Glassman used to say, focus on excellence, based on what Reebok's fiduciary duty is, is which is to make money. And I'll use an even another example is William Morris Endeavor, the people who own the UFC. One of their vice presidents over there got into CrossFit and, and they wanted to be involved with CrossFit so fucking bad. But it's not the, it's not there. You know what I mean? It's like it's like trying to sell God. He's not there. You know what I mean? The best you can do is sell some crosses and some Bibles. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just see that over and over. People want to mix this passion. They, they want to make a living doing it, Right. Um, it, w- whether to be a trainer or open an affiliate or, um, but it's not easy. It's not a, it's not, um, it, you're not selling fucking cigarettes or, or Harley Davidson's or, um, or, or y- y- you're selling something that's like really, uh, you can't grasp. It's not, it's, 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 it's a trip. I don't know what my question is, but, but With- you're in the business space and you must see that like all the time. It's hard to promise people stuff around financial success around CrossFit because it is so – it's like God, right? It's like, Part, like it's some, some sort of like a, a non-existent perfect thing. Well, what happens is that part of what you sell with CrossFit is yourself. I can charge. Right. right. I can so, charge. So sorry, just to be right. clear on that, people aren't, people aren't going on tour as great as CrossFit is. These artists would never work for you if it wasn't for Connor Murphy. They wouldn't. It's like people underst- don't quit jobs; they quit people. And I don't. I'm not, yes. I'm not just trying to jerk you off, and I know you don't want to brag, but it's <clears> like they they could have chosen from a thousand trainers, right? That are great, and they chose you. Okay, and and it's that do the same methodology. There's people that have ran their affiliates that they owned from the beginning, and they coach their, you know, and. and they can do, they can deliver the same product I can. It's just a matter of they're not going to be in that time or place or have experience in that. But with, with the monetization of it, I've, I've ran my own private training endeavor. I can, I've charged whatever I've wanted to, to make as much as I can and have six or seven clients a day. But at some point in time, I can no longer duplicate my own product. And I think what, what happens mm-hmm. is people and why there's like the affiliate split model, why it happens so frequently is someone will open a gym and they'll coach and then they'll have a head coach that then takes over everything. And then the, the gym members are like, this is who I want. And so the coach sees, you know, the owner being like, well, they're not, they're not providing the product that is getting these people, but they're you know making the money off of it. So then they want to open their own gym. Or the worst model is someone who just purchases an affiliate thinking that it's going to be a fucking thing. You're going to make a bunch of money right, doing it being right. like, oh, I'll just hire coaches to work X amount. They'll run everything and I'll make a bunch of money. It's like, that's not how it happens. And, and CrossFit at its best isn't going to get you rich. CrossFit at its best is going to get other people healthy. And sure, we're, we're trying to find ways to you know, expand it. But I don't think for me, my idea is... I want to see how much you know money I can make from CrossFit, but right. instead it is I want to get everyone to do it. 
I want every single person to improve their quality of life through CrossFit and through understanding the definition of fitness and the definition of CrossFit. From there, take with it what you will. If you know and understand the definition of fitness, what Glassman put, put forth in, you know, in the article, what is fitness in 2001, if you can fully understand that, call it whatever you want. Call it whatever you want, what you're doing, but, but get that message to other people. And I've found an avenue to expand beyond the Boston area of just already CrossFitters, of people who are doing all these different disciplines, as well as through a, a artist or celebrity, they can put it out there more than I can. They can post about it and get other people interested in it. Dylan was telling me after that post and him talking about how he wasn't drinking anymore and how he did a sober tour, he had so many artists that were responding and reaching out to him being like, hey, can we like chat about this? I want to do this. I'm on tour right now. I feel like shit. This isn't going the way I want it to go. But when, when people try to sell it, I always think when people try to like deliver this package, it always just gets diluted. You're not really selling, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think. Well, like, you just nailed, you nailed it. People, ha people kind of have to come to you. I don't know. I, I mean, I, we'd have to ask the Mormons. I don't know if the door-to-door -door model works. You kind of have to more like sit in your in your church and just kind of like have a close friend that 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 really preaches it to you and for you to be able. You have to be. We just talked or about you have to this. Be desperate, like uh, like you're not desperate. It's not the right word, but you have to be in a situation like like you saying someone's on tour and they've they've all they do is in their off time is drink and hit the vape pen and they're mm -hmm. like, "Fuck, this sucks." That's funny because see, people fucking hit. I don't understand it, but. People are vape penners. Like we, Ari would finish the workouts and like hit his vape pen. Like, you, you know, um, yeah. I, I, when I was in college, I used to uh, work out and then smoke, and I had some real concerns about that because I would figure that probably it's worse than just regular smoking because all my my lungs are fucking wide open, capillaries are fucking wide open, like the whole I don't know what the biology is, but something was like man, I'm really hitting this cigarette deep right now. It's like I worked out and now I've set myself up for a real fucking bad case of fucking emphysema or lung cancer. <laughs> yeah, the, if uh, if there's, it is interesting that you go on tour with these, with in an environment where there probably are vape pens and you, um, you're supposed to be a good influence on them. You really do not let those people be, don't pick up any of their habits. The vape pen is the, it's, it's bad. It is the most addictive thing I've ever fucked with. I, I, I've fucked with one before. It's not, it's scary. It's yeah, I don't, very scary. I don't go did down that smoke? area. I've done did you ever do any nicotine? Yeah. Chewing tobacco. Military. It, yeah. I, um, yeah, I don't know. There was just something nostalgic about it. It's super addictive. I've, I, yeah, I, that's the thing with the vape pen. The nicotine's crazy. I cut it out when I was competing and then I remember we were running, I used to run this training camp called the training grounds at Reebok. We would invite every person who qualified as an individual to the CrossFit games to come out and train with us for like a two week or a month period. I and remember I would, that. And I would bring in Chris Hinshaw. I would bring in, uh, Durante, uh, Chad Vaughn, Wellborn, Mike, Mark Bell. That All was you who ran that? Mm-hmm. Austin tasked me with creating the, the best training camp for these people and Reebok supported it. So yeah, I ran that camp. Wow. I can't believe how much shit you've done. With the support of, you know, a multi-billion dollar right. company behind you. But yeah, that was, right. 
I, I loved that. And we still have great memories. I mean, I still stay in touch with so many different people with, with Pat Vellner, like the connections that we, that you make out there with, you know, every different athlete now. So back to the story, I hadn't been chewing tobacco because I'm like, I, I'm, you know, I'm competing in 2017. I made it to the games, uh, with, uh, team Reebok cross at one. I just kind of rode the coattails of Austin Maliolo and Spencer Hendel, two people that were significantly fitter than me, but either here nor there. And Albert Dominic LaRouche, ADL, the, uh, you know, the, the French Canadian Superman, we, uh, this was, this was the team after me, but, um, he, he comes in from a road trip with Paul Tremblay, who is just a fucking absolute beauty. Uh, Albert Dominic LaRouche and I think one other Canadian and, and ADL just had a fat chew in. And I was like, Oh, maybe I can still do this and train. And then I found out there are some other CrossFit athletes, high level CrossFit athletes that every now and again, will pack a lip and I'm like, Hey, maybe it's not so bad all the time. And, uh, and then of course I was on a seminar and I was working with Joe Westerlin and he's like, yeah, he's like a lot of people talk about the lip cancer from tobacco, but here's this book. And so, you know, I read the sugar blues and it talked about how the sugar was actually more responsible for the cancers than a lot of the, than the actual tobacco and the people that rolled God, their own that's tobacco. That's an incredible book, by the way. Incredible. Anyone who hasn't read sugar blues, you have to read sugar blues. It's such an easy read. Okay, sorry. Go on. It will, it will, it will very much. In, it's super easy, especially you know, relative to a lot of the stuff that's on similar topics. But, um, but yeah. So I still like every now and again they have these new little things called Zen packets. They're just like nicotine pouches. And every time that I'm, you know, I, I also do some stuff in private security. And so if I have to stay up all night, like instead of chewing tobacco, I would like try to put one of those in, but it would just make me feel like shit. So, you know, I'm just, uh, yeah. I think I'm off it. Yeah. Um, I fuck with those. I, I tried those Zen things too. They're, I, I think they're even, they're so fucking addicting. They're oh, so addicting. They, they're so addicting to where I'll put one in and be like, I feel like absolute shit and I'll take it out and I'll be like, well, I'm going to put another one in to see if it feels any better. And like, it, it's not, it doesn't, but you know. Dude, I have friends who wake up in the middle of the night and pack one. Oh no, and you got it. And then go back to sleep. I feel like, I mean, I don't know if I have. That's crazy, dude. I don't know if I have an addictive personality or not, but like I would get to that point and then cold turkey. I would be like, if this is how obsessed I am about something, I, uh, I just, I, I'll snap. I won't do it anymore. Uh, yes, Bruce, Sugar Blues. Great book, dude. Such a great book. Crazy. Blow your mind. Mm -hmm. Such, such, such a great book. Uh, Connor, is there anything that I didn't um, go over that you want to go over that you were like, shit, I really want to talk about this? Um, I think just just stressing in that people are afraid of the CrossFit crazies and the CrossFit crazies are afraid of like the nightlife and partiers. And I think these worlds don't have to be mutually exclusive. I think that you don't have to, if you're like a nightlife and party person or you like to go to these shows or you're influenced by these people, know that there is a better quality of life by just adding in constantly varied functional movements, executed at high intensity, meats, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, some fruits, little starch, no sugar. We know that, but sometimes it's a, it's a scary barrier to people because they see the Matt Frazier's and they see the, like the amount of super committed and dedicated people to look like Greek gods. And it's like, that doesn't have to be you. If you can just start to add this stuff in there, maybe at some point in time down the road, we get there. Maybe we don't. 
But if you can see the influence that these people have, that they're doing it and, and making posts on social media being like, this is the best I've ever felt. Like you can add that stuff into there. And so if you're like, Hey, I'm too far removed. Like I promise you, you're not go to your local affiliate, go to literally just Google CrossFit. If you don't like the gym that's there, probably just go to one that's, that's the next closest one. And it will probably be the opposite of what gym that you were just at. Mm. So it's, and you can just go take your iPad or your phone and go to any, any fitness facility and just start feeling around in the dark. I mean, that's how a lot of us started, right? Yeah. And I think there's definitely a more optimal way of doing it. But my first workout was ring dips and pistols. And I was like, whoa, I can do this stuff. That's really cool. My second workout was Fran. I did it in 30 or so minutes. And then my buddy, Billy, I messaged him my time. I was like, nah, it wasn't that bad. He goes, no, no, you got to do it as fast as you can. And so yeah, that my first time I did it, I, I was probably 30 minutes. I did it with someone else. I didn't know you were supposed to time it. So it I only even in 30 minutes, I went, I was on base. I went back to my room and I was, I drank like maybe a half, maybe like a quarter gallon of whole milk being like, I'm going to recover from my workout. And he's like, no, go back to the gym right now and do it as fast as you can. So I went back with my you know, arms locked in this position with this fat bar that didn't rotate with 95 pounds. I did 21 unbroken thrusters. When wow. I did one pull-up from the pull-up rig and threw up milk all over the wreck. And awesome. I was like, yeah, this is, that, that got me. And he's like, yeah, maybe, maybe skip the milk next time and then we'll try it again. But yeah, definitely more optimal ways of doing it. But fuck, I was addicted. I loved it. I used to watch um, Freddie Camacho um, over at uh, One World uh, CrossFit he would work out and he had a beer cooler there and he would drink a beer right after. Yeah. And, um, and I used to trip on that. I'm like, wow, how's that guy do that? But a- as time went on through my CrossFit career, there were many, many times I bet you I've done, I bet you I've drank during, like wa- had people over, watched the UFC fight at my house. People leave at 10 o'clock. I've had, you know, five drinks and I go in the garage and work out just and you start with safe movements, obviously. I'm not fucking doing Fran. I'm yeah. not putting in a 95-pound bar. But, uh, you know, um, uh, 100 cows on the assault bike and then 10 burpees on the minute, every minute for 10 minutes and go to bed feeling fucking sober. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's no – and I, I just bring that up because there's, there's no reason to be afraid. You have to do both. You have to fucking be exercising. Yeah, and life if is so much better. I cannot imagine people who. Do you ever trip on that? Do you ever wonder what it would be like to, if you didn't exercise? It'd I be can't. So weird. I can't imagine. And what what fucking kills me is that usually it's those people that need it the most that are just like I'm too far gone. And you're like you're giving up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you were to say, hey Connor, you're going to live one more year with your current fitness level, and you can make it the best year possible, or you're going to live the rest of your life sedentary. You can't move or work out. I'm taking one year. Easy. Hands down. No questions asked. Wow. Wow. It's not for me. It, someone could become proficient enough too, like in a couple of weeks, <clears throat> even if like you're like stuck on the couch. Have you ever had, what's the, what's the, what's the, have you ever had a client who's in like pretty hardcore decrepitude? Like that's seven clients that have lost over a hundred pounds. Holy shit. Wow. I just, so they come in and their 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 vision of their burpee is to lean on the wall and then push themselves back up and then by the time you're done with them they can lay on the ground and get up by themselves. Yep. Yeah, that's fucking. Oh, nuts. And, oh, and and, and stuff. So proud of that. Stuff well beyond that. That's the coolest shit I've ever done. 
unfortunately, that's not what people want to, you know, that's not what gets a hundred thousand views on social media rather than some artist training, but that's fucking cool. Like that, you know, giving people their life back is, is fucking awesome. And it hasn't, and it's not, sorry, I don't want to say I've had these clients. These are people who have come into the affiliates. Sometimes I've worked on with a one-on-one basis. Sometimes they're just members of the gym and I get to be a part of their fucking journey. And that is so fucking cool to think that you can give someone that like it's, it's fucking powerful and you, and you don't need to be the world's best trainer. You know, we talk about it before. I know James just commented on here, but it is that it's the level one kernel. You have enough in there just to get people to squat, deadlift and press, and you can change their fucking life one workout. And then they're taking a step in the right direction and they might feel the best they've ever felt. And then you can continue that in the momentum. But a lot of times the people have to, they have to hate themselves or hate their quality of life enough to, to go through all the hate that it takes to change it, to go through the, the miserable days of waking up early, to go, to get that stuff, to just be so sick of living that lifestyle that they're willing to make those sacrifices to change it. I had, there's people who come to my house who can't walk in my backyard because they'll trip and fall. They can only walk on um, paved areas. Yeah. You imagine because they shuffle their feet. No, I trip on that because, but I, but I do remember when, when I did, um, uh, when I first started CrossFit and, and I started doing, being proficient at muscle ups. Then one day I was flying somewhere for, for, to film something for CrossFit and the flight got canceled and they took everyone on the flight on buses to a hotel. And we went to this hotel and, um, uh, that hotel was booked, so we had to go to the hotel next door, right? So everyone's walking around this 10-foot high chain link fence. And I would have never thought about climbing it. And I'm like, fuck this. I'm beating all those people to the next hotel, so I don't mm-hmm. have to wait in line at the lobby. I threw my fucking luggage over the fence and climbed over the fence. And that my whole world was different because of CrossFit. I can't tell you how influential that was to me. Like I saw the whole landscape, but imagine not being able to walk in someone's backyard because you're going to trip over a dirt clod and fall down because you're so fucking out of shape. Something that, that Glassman had the ability to do that I'm trying to work on Mm -hmm. is he could be so fucking brutally honest to someone and say, like, you're going to die before your time. You're overweight. You're obese. You're like your quality of life is shit, but then followed with a, you know, I can help that. Right. I right. can help. I can, I can help you with that. If you're, su- if you're fucking sick of being embarrassed every time you get on a plane, because you know, the person next to you is going to be pissed off because you're spilling over into your seat. If you don't like that, I can help you. So it's not like they're making right. fun of someone. It's not like they're, they're right. in there trying to like talk shit. Oh, I'm better than you. No, that's not it. But if you're so right. sick of this, I've got the cure. I would see him do that. Hey, that reminds me of something else that you brought up earlier. Um, uh, the brutally honest thing i would be somewhere and there'd be a group of affiliates and an affiliate would be like greg uh don't you think that you should put restrictions on um number of affiliates in cities and greg would be like well why would i do that and he goes well because someone opened an affiliate down uh, in the town uh, or in the you know five blocks away from me and all my clients left and went there and greg's like well that's because they hate you <laughs> and you'd just be like oh fuck just like, and, and everyone's like, and, and it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting uh, thing. You know, people don't leave jobs. They leave people, right? Mm-hmm. They don't leave gyms. They leave people. And it's like, yeah, he, he could be brutally honest. 
he could be he could be but man like don't don't start the story don't open the door if you're not willing to be around people who are brutally honest you're you're on the l1 team and i i try to convey this to people and i can't really maybe you could shed some light on it the feedback the brutality it's not from some people being on the l1 team would be or on the seminar staff at crossfit inc would be unbearable to them because of this high level of feedback that you guys give each other right Every time it's like a knife that's always sharpening itself. Right. And it's, it's from your friends. It's from like, like I have to get feedback from fucking James after like every like lecture. And it's like, Hey, like when you said this whole rant, like, stop, don't fucking say that you think it's cool. But like they're, you know, you're, you're trying to give a lecture to impress the other level one trainers, give the fucking material lecture. And you're like, yep, you're right. Got it. And then, good to go we go you know grab a beer together we go get a workout together i mean it, it is like you have to you have to be humble was that hard when you got on the l1 team just the, getting feedback after like you're like hey i hit that one out of the park but you still get feedback mm-hmm. and that was hard and i was in the northeast as a trainer so the flow masters are austin maliolo james hobart denise thomas it's like three people i work with every day like i'm gonna see them and coach class with them at reebok on monday yet we worked a seminar at reebok over the weekend and and they hold true to the message there's been some flow masters i've worked with they're like hey thought you did it you know thought this was a great job and they're not afraid to give stylistic feedback to where if, if i gave a lecture verbatim and everything was good it's like hey here's some new things i want you to try too to continually improve and that's why I fell in love with CrossFit. And that's why I fell in love with coaching because you never have it. You're never good. Oh, got it. Now I have this degree. Now I'm a good coach. It's like, no, you have to be humble and you have to be willing to take feedback and continue to learn in order to get better, in order to be the best coach. I thought I was the best coach in the world when I was coaching at St. Thomas. Why? Well, because CrossFit's fucking effective. And if you do these things, even if you don't do them well, your clients are still going to see really good results. I went yeah. up to the the level two or the the coach's prep course at the time. And again, this was before I knew Austin, James, uh, Eva Claire Sinkowski, Jen Hunter Marshall. And I was, after day one, I was like, maybe I shouldn't be coaching anymore. I don't know anything. And that oh. was another one of those moments that just, instead of me taking it for my ego, it was, all right, I'm, I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn everything that these guys have to teach me on day two. And then I'm going to take it back and I'm going to continue to learn. And then I took it back and my clients, the, the members of the gym knew. It was actually Chris and Jen Ehrman who, who were like, you got to go take this course. And once that happened, there wasn't an amount of information that, that, I, that I didn't want to read or I didn't want to know. You know, it's like, it's like the, the more you know, the less, you, you know, the more you think you know about something or the more you learn about something, the less you realize you know. And right. there's no amount of information that will have me satisfied on this. And there's so much information out there. And- you know, clinical trials with things, people that you, you, you start programming one way and you see how the results are not just knowing you have it. And that's what drives me nuts about a lot of the online programs, the people that are doing all the promotion, paid promotion behind these, like, this is the best program. It's like, just take care of your clients. Don't, you don't know everything, you, you know, an effective way. This has worked for some people, but be willing to learn because then if not, and it doesn't work for them, then it's their fault or they were doing something wrong. Like people just Josh Bridges takes the piss out of a lot of those programs too. He goes, let's not forget guys at the end of the day, we're all just selling CrossFit. Yeah. Like he, and he, he, re- he, he really pounds that in. He's really loyal to the, uh, 
to the brand, to the methodology, to his roots. He's had, you know, he's another guy who had an incredible, you know, career in the Navy and, and then he had to do something else and he found something that he's good at. He's dedicated his life to dedicated his life in multiple ways for, for competing. And now with the programming and I mean, he's, he stayed doing it, gave him, you know, the ability to, it's like a second chance, a second career rather than only thinking you're pigeonholed into this. I mean, it's, it's life-changing stuff. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for, I mean, we can go down as dark as you want down that alley, but I would not be here today. One in the position that I'm in, was so fucking fortunate to, to be where I am, but it is because of what I've been able to do with CrossFit because of my passion, because that level one, because following.com, the articles, the quotes that were on there, it's like, it got me sucked in. And it's amazing. What do you mean when you say that was stuff going to get really dark in your life before you found CrossFit? Like, what do you mean? Like, were you suicidal or drugs or alcohol or uh, I never protected sex? I never used, we'll stick with the first ones. I never used <laughs> drugs or alcohol. I'm not a big drug person. I've never used alcohol as like a coping mechanism. It's always been fun for me. But when you, when I wanted to be something so bad and it was taken away from me that I didn't think it deserved to be, I got to a point that the I- The Navy, you're talking about being special forces in the Navy. Yep. And, and you do stuff and you have, you have your old instructors vouching for you and other guys, you know, I just unfortunately went to a funeral a couple months ago and, and met up with an old friend that I served with. And he's like, Oh, you'd be a, you know, we all know you'd be X, Y, Z, you'd be this now and that. And it was, it was fucking hard because you, you dedicate yourself to something and then it doesn't happen. And it's like, Hey, great. Hey, great. You did all the stuff that you were supposed to do to get here, but you know, fuck off. And I, I didn't know what I was going to do from there. That was, I, I create, I made that my identity and, and I had to pivot. And there were, you know, at that level one, if those trainers would have been more standoffish and not as caring. Spiel uh, and uh, Zach Forrest. Zach, Nadia, Preston, uh, Josh Everett, Dave Castro showed up day two during the day two workout. Kristen Clever, who had just won the games in 2010, uh, just wow. showed up to hang out with some of the other people. Like it was, it was cool. And there was, a, there was so much care and it was more care than I had ever received from the Navy. And obviously you have your brotherhood and you have everything, the people that I still stay in touch with. I've helped other people train to go through training, to go through buds that are now seals. It's like, I can still help with that. But if I didn't have something I was good at and something I was passionate about, yeah, there was, I mean, Suicidal is a weird thing to to talk about because I was never like a hey I'm planning it out, but I was always like, hey if it all goes wrong, you know if or if I don't find something or you know you get into these like these like deep thought process of you know if I didn't have my parents or I didn't have that you know it probably could have been something I, I really considered, but it was or, or 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 maybe taking just abnormal risks, yeah, putting yourself in situations, yeah it's like fuck it. Fuck it, and and you do have a little bit of that in you. you, you um, is it, you, on one level, you're a very sober person talking to you, um, but there's also this um, you're all or nothing guy. All in, yep. All yeah, in. I'm either yeah. in or I'm out. Yeah, so you don't want it to be something like uh, you don't give a fuck because then you'll be all in with I don't give a fuck. Right, and I have been before. Yeah. Wow. Is your is your body um, one of your um, um, 
I'm not sure if I want to use the word favorite or best um, tools to use at, to help your clients. Yes. By that I mean. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'll, okay. an, I'll answer Good. this question All because right. Right. so right. many people fucking avoid it and they always have this like politically correct answer. I know. I was trying to be safe asking. Thanks for fucking just pulling the cork off my bullshit. Thank do you. you need, do you need to be fit to be an effective trainer? No, but you fucking should be. And if you are, it's going to help you. It's not going to not help you. The most successful trade, it's, it's going to open more doors to new clients. It's going to open more. And you know, people always talked about this with Glassman being like, well, he doesn't do it. And it's like, there's a whole lot of other stuff going on there, but I'd be willing to bet right now, CrossFit would be further in advance, more people doing it. If Greg looked like Rich Froning, if the product that he was pushing and selling, I think it would be further. I don't think it needs to be. And I fucking would never try to take away anything that Glassman has done. The most revolutionary person in health and wellness and fitness that there's, that there's been of our time. But if he was fitter, more people would be doing CrossFit. And when, so you, and, and I, um, I really like being around people who just always have their shirts off. There was that picture of you when you're with, um, I think it's Lauv and you're standing there and you have your shirt off hanging out with rich is always cool. Cause he always has a shirt off. I love that. that that's the liver Kings thing. Just always have your shirt off. That was the thing with Brendan uh, Gillian. I don't know if you remember him from back in the day. He's one of the OGs uh, at, at CrossFit Santa Cruz. He always had his shirt off. Um, D- Dutch Lowry, Roy's had a shirt off. Remember him? Yeah, Dutch. Yeah. And there's this thing about that that um, what, I've talked about this endlessly. But there's this thing that whenever I go somewhere, like when I was in Newport Beach, I probably drank more alcohol in those two weeks that I was there than I drank in the previous you know year. But I always had my shirt off. And so I was way more conscious about what I ate. I was way more health conscious. I was way more dedicated to, to my working out. I was, and, and I think that those are kind of healthy pressures and it's good to leverage your ego to stay on. I think it's perfectly okay and smart to leverage your ego to stay on the health track. But also like that guy, um, the, the guy with the fro, Young Gravy, mm-hmm. is that his name? Mm-hmm. The Ronald McDonald cat? That, that dude sees your body and he then can be like, okay, I want to eat like Connor. I want to um, do the movements that Connor does. I want to sleep like Connor. Whatever recipe he's doing to feed his robot, I want to do that so my robot looks like that. My avatar looks like that. And I think that's, um, I think it's brilliant. People are visual learners. Yeah. Even if I can give you the same thing that Glassman can give you, which is you know unbelievable definitions and life-changing things, some people it's going to fall on deaf ears if what they see is not what they want. And again, I don't, I don't want this to come off as, as people thinking I'm, I'm saying anything negative about, about coach Glassman, about Greg. But if someone could just see just like what you said, I had my shirt off training and then he would take his shirt off. And then he would ask me, what should I do for this workout? What should I do here? Now I'm a trusted source because what I've done to myself it doesn't yeah. mean you have to be, but it's going to be the most effective way. It is. And then if you have the knowledge behind it to add in there, that's the best recipe. Some people have one or the other, but it's the, the trainers that have both that are going to be the most effective. Here's my cake. Look at it. Oh, would you like a bite? Holy shit. It tastes as good as it looks. Yeah. You want to know how I made it? Come on. I'll show you. Yeah. 
Um, do you, did you ever see any of your um, games athletes? How many you competed at the games? Yeah, as a team, I competed as an individual at regionals three years in a row. Uh, never made it to the games as an individual, and then 2017 we finished fifth place uh, as a team at the games. Um, did you ever see any of your um, cohort um, taking performance enhancing drugs? No, never. No. Um, did you did you do you think that there are that that it's um that performance enhancing drugs are being abused at the highest level? At the highest level in CrossFit. Yeah. Fuck, I don't know. And don't and know the only anymore. reason I used to did you used to want to say no, and now you're I don't know. Well, no, I want to say it's still a no, and here's the reason okay. why I want to say it's a no. Because the only time I think someone is on performance enhancing drugs is when they test positive for it. Because outside of that, I'll look at what someone is capable of and say, that's not, you haven't worked hard enough for that. And a lot of these other people that are competing at high levels, but maybe not the highest are saying, well, everyone's got to be, you always see these comments on Instagram, everyone's on it. When someone tests positive, I'm like, no, I don't think everyone's on it. I really don't. And I honestly I don't, don't I don't know that much about it. I do know how fucking fit I got from where I was to where I am. And if someone is getting, like, I don't think Matt Frazier has, was on drugs at any point in time in his entire CrossFit career. I don't. I saw how hard Me he worked. Neither. And I think I would be taking away from him by saying, well, it'd be really hard to get there. It's like, I don't fucking know. I don't know people's genetic potentials. I know his is better than mine. I know, I know that, he said he sold his soul to the assault bike every morning, and I know that you can't find one in a million people to do that uh, uh, once a year. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you do that once, and you're you're not you don't want to do that ever again. Yeah, and I, and I think that I think he is genetically superior. I think his body type is is made to do well in this. I also think that he moves better than everyone else. I think that he has is more Works dedication. Harder. He has the. He has the crazy switch after whether it was finishing second two years in a row to where he took every advantage that he could with diet, nutrition, training, and in order to get that fit. Yeah, I would never try to take that away from him. For what reason? Just because he can do it and other people can't. He can perform. He can snatch 300 pounds and run a sub five minute mile and I can't. That's why I'm going to do it. Fuck out of here. I even wonder if you can, um, even if people test positive, if they're guilty. How about that chick in Africa where they had the? Did you did you follow that story at all? Um, they put they put she tested positive for drugs, and they for the regional down there, and the note said, um, uh, um, I can't remember what it was, but they referred to her as a he, and they called her athlete number two. And she wrote back, I'm athlete number three and I'm a girl. That's not me. Like I didn't, I didn't. And, but they're like, oh no, sorry. We said it wrong. It actually still was your sample. She's like, fuck you. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like. That was like the Nate Diaz. What, what would happen with him? You remember that when uh, UFC was like, oh, you've tested positive for banned substance. And he was like, fuck this. Fuck the UFC. I've never put any of these substances in my body. Like goes so hard. Bang, bang, no. And then it comes back that it was in this vegan supplement, there was something that isn't performance enhancing, but does make you test positive for it. Oh, but shit. It, it wasn't like the, Oh, I must've, it must've been something. He's like, fuck it. Fuck everyone. Fuck the UFC. I didn't do this shit. Just, but just goes awesome. so hard I think on I it. I do vaguely remember that. It's weird in the UFC when someone tests positive too, it feels like it's not a big deal. Like it just kind of just like goes like, away. Oh, he may not fight. I remember when Sean Shirk tested positive and then BJ Penn smashed him anyways. 
I don't remember. That was a little bit before I was into it. Cause that was when BJ Penn was doing CrossFit. Yeah. Uh, fight gone bad, right? Mm-hmm. Made Still just an absolute miserable workout. Yeah, I did. Ta- I did take. I did take my shirt off around Hiller and Hunter. That that probably wasn't good for me psychologically. Eh. <laughs> I, I I appreciate you coming on, dude. Good. To, this is probably the obviously the most I've ever uh, chatted with you. It's it's really cool. No, I really appreciate it, Savon. Thanks for having me. Um, if if you ever have questions or anyone listening to this has any like, like just genuine questions about training, CrossFit, private training, celebrity training, whatever it is, like reach out to me. I'm here to help. I'm not just sure. I would love to be wildly successful and, and, and have my you know company explode, but I'm here for, if, if you want to help people and that's what your goal is, like I'm here for it. Um, and where would the, at, at Connor, just, um, uh, DM you. Yeah. DM me at Connor T Murphy. Um, uh, Hurley, our, our producer just put on there at big night fitness, uh, at our Instagram as well at big night fitness, uh, our YouTube channel. We have a podcast. We bring people on. We, we talk about stuff. It's, um, what, what's more the of, name like, of the podcast, uh, at big night fitness or uh, big night fitness on, on Instagram. And we get to interview some cool people. It's just all, it's just all around fitness. And, um, yeah, we're just, you know, we found an avenue that, that we've found success in getting people to train and getting people to move. And we're going to keep going on this until, until the wheels fall off. So what's, what's your producer's name? Peter Hurley. Peter Hurley. Um, have you seen the other Connor Murphy? On, oh, don't, on don't, don't No, No, yes. I've seen him that fucking, well, I'm not even going to oh, go down why? There. I watched two of his videos yesterday. I really enjoyed them. You didn't, you don't, you're not a fan. No, I'm not a fan because people will reach out to me thinking that I'm him. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not the guy getting girls numbers for taking my shirt off in Santa Monica pier. So this guy, so, so quick story. Do you remember the wad on the waves cruise? Yeah. I can't fucking believe you. That was you too. Yeah. That was Austin and I. So That's we were minority savage. owners Incredible. in this. Oh, it was, it was one of the wildest experiences I've ever had in my entire wow. life. But this kid reaches this, this kid, Connor Murphy reaches out and he's like, Hey, I have this many million followers. I'd love a spot on the ship. I'm like, no, you know, and I'm, I have like, it's my fucking Instagram on the, you know, on the lot on the waves. And I was like, no. And then one of our, um, one of the other partners in it was like, well, if he promotes it, do you think it could help for the future ones? And I was just like, I don't want this fucking kid on here. But then I was like, <laughs> I ended up being like, it was like a week before I'm like, here's a promo code, do a YouTube review afterwards and we'll go from there. And then obviously our second cruise got shut down the, by the pandemic, but that was the most, it was so fucking awesome. The entire pool deck lined with rowers, skiers, assault bikes. The whole basketball court had dumbbells, kettlebells on it. We had two pull-up rigs built on there. We had sandbags on the helipad just classes going on nonstop. And then in the afternoon, people were just having themselves a good time. Uh, it, any chance of a start is, is the pandemic. I heard, I think I saw Joe Biden said the pandemic's over, even though more people are, um, it's spreading faster and dying. More people are dying than ever in New Zealand and Australia. Is it, <laughs> yes. I think it's funny. I just, is um, it over. Can you do cruises again? Uh, well, I think we just need to make sure that people want to go on the cruises Right, right. Remember, that's where it all started, right? Remember that ship off the coast of Japan? 
Yes, the pandemic is over. Holy shit. Have you seen this interview right here? No. Don't watch it. Okay. I can't. I just can't watch any of the political stuff anymore. I'm just in, I'm in my lane. And good on you. Good on you. It just gets me too fired up. Um, so so uh, I wanted to go back to this Connor Murphy dude. So the, the video, I, I saw two videos he did yesterday. One, he hung up a picture of himself shirtless at the uh, Gold's Gym in Venice, which I thought was fucking pretty awesome. Like, you know, next to like all the, <laughs> like all these other famous posters. Yeah. And, and the, yeah. And the other thing I did see is he, the videos are absurd, but it's like just him talking to girls and then he takes his shirt off. Yeah. And then he like gets their numbers. I mean, you know what? The guy's doing his thing. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to send a bunch of hate out there, but a lot of and people. And you did. It sounds like you did invite him. Yeah, I gave him a, a free pass to come on board, and I saw him on there and was like, "Oh, he, but but he actually did come on the boat." Yeah. Oh wow. Okay, I thought maybe it got canceled and it didn't end up happening. No, this Does was. He the, know that your name is Connor Murphy too. Yes, because I kept getting announced. Um, as like they wanted to keep pushing me as a CrossFit athlete. They were like, well, no, you're not just because people really didn't know that Austin and I ran that, that that was that we were minority owners in that company along with, with Chris and Liz Browser, who they were worked together now married. And then, um, and then Ed and Zach, it was all of us. And Austin and I ran it from the top down programming, equipment, order, logistics, every single thing, the difference in the menu we brought EC Sinkowski to come on and did uh, did a full different menu because as opposed to getting, you know, 9,000 pounds of flour for it, there was a lot, it was a lot more protein heavy. And it was, so we had, right. we, we did that entire thing. And so, but they were like, oh, people still like you as an athlete. I'm like, no one's going to go on the cruise because of me. Sure. I can coach a couple good classes, but I need to make sure that everyone else is going to be at their position at the right time. And all the athletes had fun. Pat Vellner was having a blast he had just won Wadapalooza, so he secured his spot to the CrossFit Games. So he, at one point in time on the last night, he we all went out to this like Irish pub. We'd kind of gather around an area, and then I would send out a message that went to everyone who had the Water on the Waves app about where the athletes were. And Pat came out in like a shorts and short sleeve romper, like one piece. And like him and Paul Tremblay were like dancing. We were singing karaoke. It was, it was so much fun. Uh, so there is a chance it could come back. I think so. We got, we'll talk with the, with the, with the big man, the, the financial backing, the majority owner, Chris Browser, which uh, Austin and I went down to his wedding last year. And I think he, uh, we have plans. I just messaged him about coming up. So we'll see. I know with like big night stuff there, you know, we had talked about it. I just, logistics were a, such a nightmare on that thing. Yeah. It sounds like it. Um, you're spread thin as shit too, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I does. I mean, I'm getting better at not saying yes to everything. It's just I have a very tough time uh, saying no to things that may be potential opportunities, which is also why I'm uh, single and no longer married. So I just, you know, I'm trying to do it all. And uh, I am I did not manage it very well. And so I'm trying to be better at that. I, I I think your thirties are your years to just fucking grind. I just think I just I I it sounds like you're doing everything right to me. Um, I yeah I I I just put my head down and went from airport to airport with my camera from when I was thirty to when I was forty and filmed and shot and did every fucking thing I can, 
and it paid off in spades. And I think you sound like you're doing everything right to me. Trying to a lot of, I mean, yeah. sometimes the day-to-day stuff, I think overall, it's just the, you know, the, what's going on with this company, the amount of support that I have, even just in here, having, you know, Hurley be here to, to any time that I'm going to interview someone. I went and, you know, trained one of the artists that was in town and I'm like, Hey, do you want to come record a podcast? I'll message Hurley. He'll, he'll get to the, like the amount of support system that I have in order to continue to grow this and, and to continue to, um, spread the word of CrossFit with the seminars with big night CrossFit and just, you know, highlight just movement in general. Uh, I think our, our thing as a company, our head is in the right place and we just got to keep going. At every stage in my life, I wonder if you relate to this. Uh, sorry, I'm keeping you on long. You got the, you got some minutes? Yeah. At every stage in my life, there was someone who wanted more security in, in a, a partner of mine, whether it was a romantic or business. They wanted more security than I was willing to – than I wanted in my life, meaning – they wanted to use the money to buy a house. I wanted to use the money to buy more camera equipment so we could maybe buy four houses. You know, they wanted to settle down and have a kid and get a job with health insurance. And I wanted to dig further into being an entrepreneur, make a bigger movie. And <clears throat> everywhere along or, 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 or even crazier, which I think is even more uh, apropos, we would go somewhere and we would be there to work and we would only be there seven days and they would have scheduled five days of work and then two days of like hiking because we were in the Himalayas. And I'd be like, nah, I'm working the whole time I'm fucking here. Mm-hmm. Came here to fucking work. And throughout my life, I, I lost all those people. Now, when I look back at them, Connor, and I'm 50, I have all, I have, I have security and they don't, right? So they settled for um, one house with one mortgage, working the nine to five. And I, I, I was like, "Fuck it, I'm not going to get a house. I'm not going to get a wife. I'm not going to get a kid. I'm just going to keep working and see what falls into place." And now I have all that. It came later than theirs, but I have more security, right? They're still paying off their house, and I've paid off almost all my houses. It's, it's a I, I, I want to just, I can't encourage you enough, especially someone who's sober like you, you know, sober by sober. I mean like the sober clean mindset, keep grinding, just do it. There's, and, and that, that, um, uh, I'm all in attitude, man. You're a fucking winner. Like it's dope. I makes me, makes me want to go back to being 30 again, talking to you. Usually I'm like, fuck that. I never want to be 30 again, but yeah. <laughs> It's it. There's been a couple opportunities, uh, a lot of opportunities where I feel people like, what do you do outside of work? I'm like, I've made work. We have made work. Some of the funnest times that I can have, whether I'm training, whether I'm coaching, whether I'm traveling for seminars, whether I'm on a a bus tour with a celebrity, whether I'm, I'm coming on a podcast, catching up with old friends, doing a fucking cruise ship full of fitness things. It's like that you, you to be able to mesh those things together make my work fun and make it sustainable for me. I don't need the week vacation, you know. Yeah, you're not compartmentalizing. Yeah, I want to work and I fucking love it. And I love giving back. I love when people see results. I love when you get the, you know, I'll, I'll be selfish. I love the notoriety of someone being like, Connor's this trainer or or the, the, the most, you know, whatever celebrities are seeking out that trainer. Like, fuck yeah, I love that. 
I love that because there's been a lot of hard work, been a lot of, uh, I would say some luck, but more so I'm so fortunate to know the amount of people that have been able to trust me and put me in these situations. I hate the word lucky. I hate when people say you're so lucky. I'm very fortunate. Oh. I fucking hate, oh, oh. or like the must be nice or, or you're so lucky. It's like, this wasn't luck. I didn't get this from luck. Sure, I was fortunate, but I utilized those situations and have worked hard to get there. But don't call it lucky because no one just dealt all these cards out and here I am. Oh, yeah, I'm a managing partner of Big Night Fitness. That's what I, that's what I won. I, uh, I, I, I have people very close to me who think that I've gotten lucky. <laughs> and it's like, dude, you... For 12 years in a row, when we worked at that place together, you went home for Christmas every year to be with your family. I never did. And you know what? And the I have a great family. So, like, I'm like, uh, I was lucky, huh? I was lucky, huh? You fucking ding dong. <laughs> the two were, you know, I was just, a, I had almost like an hour and a half conversation with Hobart. I called him when I was driving back from New York and we were talking about this and we were talking about the lucky fortunate and the other word in the English dictionary that I hate more than anything is potential. And because once, I mean, if someone says, Oh, that person has potential, it's like, yeah, they're not doing it. It's essentially about being like, Oh, they don't, they have the potential to do this. Well, I don't care about your potential. I care about what you're doing. And that's also the difference between when the people that say lucky are the people that probably have the potential but just aren't doing it because they don't realize that once you just do it, there's no more luck involved. There's no more like you create your own. Sure. There's been situations that I've been put in because of, you know, whatever there is. But, but when some, I used to, people always would say that to me growing up, a lot of potential, a lot of potential as an athlete, but I never, I never drove myself to do it. I never drove myself to be committed to football, baseball, or basketball, or to my grades, or to this. Every teacher, Connor has a lot of potential. He just doesn't give a shit. It's like, we'll stop and just start giving a shit so that no one has to say you have the potential. You're just there. You have the end goal. You, you mean, are you referencing like when people say it about themselves? About anyone. That person has potential. Or if someone, because I've heard it, and it, it was almost like a comfort thing for me. Like, oh, I have the potential to be good. I have the potential to do well in school, but I'm not. Oh, okay. So when someone uses that word, they have okay, potential. Yes, 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 yes. This, this chick said to me one time, um, we, we had been going out a long time and we just broke up. I was, I was homeless at the time. She was a college student. She goes, man, you have such, you have such fucking earning potential. And I kind of liked that. It stuck. I was like, oh, I'm going to be rich. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to hold on to that idea. Yeah, but at that point in time, that's yeah. saying you're not. Right. And it was, yeah. and it was, it was like, you're such a dirtbag, bag then, living off me. And then until you were able to, you know, put the car in gear and stop having potential and just having it like, that's what you want. That person's successful. Not that person has the potential to be successful. It's like, great. Everyone has fucking potential to do something great. I just, it just bothers me. Bruce, what about your 40s? So this is the this is the this is my perspective. I for whatever it's true. But Connor's in school right now. So basically, and he's in school with a bunch of other people who are in school. So Lauv is in school, and I don't know how old Dylan Francis is, but he's in school and they're all in school and they're um they are uh they're they're just growing their 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 banks of of experience. They're just 
piling in the fucking experiences, um, flying, uh, driving, sitting, learning, studying, growing, creating, and they're doing all of this and they're building this fucking massive repository that will be the PhD that is Connor Murphy. And you're in your, so in your twenties, you get strong, um, and, and you, and you, and you, and you work through your insecurities and then in your thirties, uh, you, you start using that and, and hopefully you start experiencing some a bit of humility and enlightenment and you put your head down and you grind and, and that's when you're, everyone's in school, you're with your cohort and you guys are building your bank. And then in your forties is when you start using that equity of all the shit you learn and you start like this mentor kind of phase for other people so then it will be like that all the artists he's working with now will be all the shit they can learn they start kind of you start passing it down and i don't want to say you rest on your laurels it's not that i'm resting it's just that i'm not building too much new new um i'm in a different phase of learning in my life i'm you start learning about what it's like to get older instead of in, in sharing that more than like uh than grinding like right now from the moment fucking connor wakes up to the moment he goes to bed he's learning he's creating something new whether it's a business a new workout a new client a new relationship and then slowly i think by the when you get to your 40s you start closing those doors fewer relationships fewer and new endeavors you get more focused on specifically what you want to do but you're you start really um selling what you know as opposed to these guys are like carpenters now they're building shit right they go to a venue and he's building bodies and someone else is building fans. And it's, it's like, that's the best I could kind of explain it. You still grind in your forties. It's just different. I don't, I don't swing. Like now it's no big deal for Connor to swing a 40 pound hammer. Like I have a two pound hammer. I just do this little tiny taps, you know, my cohorts just doing, it's just different. Well, thank you. Savon, thank you so much for having me on here. We've uh, holy shit. We've been on here for a while. Um, yeah, do you have to pee? No. Do you? Yeah, me neither. That's amazing. No, it's kind of crazy. No, I bet Hurley has to pee, though. I think we... Uh... Look, Caleb says he has to pee. <laughs> These guys have been staying hydrated. I've just been over here just yapping it up. Okay, well, we have each other's number. Uh, you can text me anytime. I don't sleep next to my phone 24 hours a day. Likewise, brother. Text me anytime. Thanks again for having me on here. And uh, yeah, we'll follow up soon. And we'll... Uh... Awesome. Again, just grateful. Thanks, brother.